0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 9, issue 407. Today we're talking about the very first Super Mario RPG. And joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Brian Edwards. I'm the pink Axum Ranger. <laughs> Good. Darren Gargett. I have beaten the Boshy. And Leah Hader, what have you done or who are you? Funga! <laughs> cool. So, uh, Square made this. Squaresoft back in the day uh, for those who don't know I mean I think it's sort of explanatory the title Super Mario RPG hmm. the first and I think only and it's important to make this, this this distinction Super Mario game not produced by Nintendo so there have been Mario games and games with Mario in made by second and third parties but I believe Certainly, according to IMDb trivia, maybe something's happened since then, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. A Super Mario game not made in-house. This one was made by Square, obviously published by Nintendo, uh, with Yoshihiko Mikawa and Chihiro Fujioka directing the game, co-directing the game. For uh, Fujioka was the uh, man who directed the previous one of Square's previous attempt to kind of break the jrpg in the west in america and specifically with final fantasy mystic quest but that was a commercial flop by all accounts even though it's i think it's probably quite fondly remembered and even though final fantasy 3 aka 6 was incredibly highly regarded and rated obviously we covered that game in our final fantasy run I don't think, uh, despite its commercial success in Japan, I don't think it actually sold huge amounts of copies in the USA. Shigeru Miyamoto is the producer, of course, on this project. He got to nix a few things, which we'll hear more of. And uh, writers, Kensuke Tanabe and Atsushi Tejima, with Yoko Shimamura being the composer. She'd already done things like most of the Street Fighter II music at this point. And a bunch of other famous stuff. And she's one of the main through lines between this Super Mario RPG originator, which we'll talk a little bit about it later and we're going to carry on with at least the Paper Mario series. And maybe someday we'll do some Mario and Luigi as well. But this is kind of a one and done because there was never a official sequel by Square to Super Mario RPG. But Yoko Shimamura, as a freelancer returned to do the music for a lot of the Mario and Luigi games further down the line. So yeah, as I said, this was one of Square's attempts to break the JRPG genre in the US and the West. Uh, The original pitch from Square to Nintendo involved Mario with a sword and a cape on a horse. And that was very quickly rejected by Shigeru Miyamoto using the phrase that's not right, which basically means <laughs> I never want to see that yeah. ever again, it. Yes, he said, Mario might have a hammer, but not a sword. But it's interesting that because one of the things that Darren and I were talking about as we were playing this game for the show was we were surprised by the nature of some of the enemies in the game and how they look and how they hmm. behave. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that. But I think there are things in Super Mario RPG that would never have been seen in a Nintendo-developed Mario platformer, for example, in terms of how sharp and spiky and mean some things are, if you see what I mean. (laughs) Uh, And just kind of dark at some point. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, At first, in development, the game looked more like the traditional square RPG, top-down with 2D sprites, but I think after the success of Donkey Kong Country and the fact that by the time this came out, you have to bear in mind, we were literally four months, I think, from the N64 coming yeah. out in mm-hmm. Japan, something like that. So they were looking at making it look a bit more contemporary. Well, so,
1: yeah, 3D, but in a you know, in, a, in a fake way, like Donkey Kong Country, right? It looked precisely. 3D without it being 3D.
0: Yeah, isometric, which is mm-hmm. uh, actually a perspective that had been used in other RPGs, thinking about the Landstalker series on Genesis and... Uh, There was little big
1: adventure for me when I had a PC, and there's a game called Little Big Adventure. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was fascinated by throwing these little balls around this town, and I was just like, "This is amazing!" Like, and the the isometric, obviously, when I was a kid. FIFA as well was like Isometric was probably the first time I'd maybe all head over heels on the spectrum as well. Like loads of Isometric games, obviously. But, oh, um, sure. To, yeah. To Going Marier back to the in, ultimate
0: days yeah. um, and 3D Ant Attack even before that. But actually an a, an RPG, a JRPG in, mm. in an Isometric view was not, this wasn't the first, but it was a, a departure for Square for sure, because all their games up to this point had been very much the... Right. Well, if not the top down then the like in towns it was that sort of three quarter face on yeah mm-hmm. um angle. Oh, I,
2: see. I I I think about it specifically with the internal inv- the inside environments in this game like I I remember the first time I played Final Fantasy 7 and I walked into uh Tifa's bar and I was kind of like walking through that environment like wow this is I mean you could see you could feel the bones of Super Mario RPG there because like just the way that the, that it looked yeah, kind of like that's the true. the pathing in and out I mean Super Mario RPG is definitely more clear cut but you can kind of you see the entrances and exits, and you have this little space, to yeah. move, this rectangular space. Like, it just, it, it, the definitely some of the framework for their future stuff, you could see them kind of stretching their legs um, in this one, mm-hmm. with just kind of like, what can we kind of do with this half, like Darren said, this kind of fake 3D space, what can we kind of play with? It's it's a pretty interesting exercise to look at their work afterwards in this, and kind of see how they compare and contrast.
0: And it feels kind of bonkers, right, that Final Fantasy VII was 18 months after yeah. this
2: game. <laughs> it's wild. Wow. Yeah.
0: yeah. So the cartridge incorporated, we've talked before about how a lot of games, particularly on the NES, by the time the NES was on its last legs, having had an amazing sort of 10 year run in particularly in uh, Japanese and American homes, they were putting so much extra hardware or firmware, I suppose, on the cartridge. yeah, no, hardware, because it was actual chips, right? Mm. Uh, chips that enabled you to scroll diagonally or have more sprites or more RAM or whatever. So this cartridge incorporated this SA1 chip, which added to the RAM and the processing power of the Super Nintendo uh, compared to the, the base machine, allowing those isometric pre-rendered silicon graphics um, with uh, yeah more on-screen characters. I think these were actually, these graphics were... Uh, produced on literally the same workstations as produced a lot of the Donkey Kong Country assets mm. mm-hmm. uh, they had a prototype up and running for 1995 a festival called V-Jump in Japan and the audience was asked to applaud whether they would prefer the game to incorporate traditional RPG attacks and ma- uh, attacks and magic or the classic Mario moves and I- you know, jumps and I guess fireballs and all that stuff that we see in the final game and the latter one comfortably, the audience was absolutely you know in no uncertain terms i'm sure s I'm sure there would have been some support for more square type hmm. uh interactivity with the with with the enemies, but I think people didn't want to see Mario doing the same as, as uh, an extension of Miyamoto saying, "Nope, that's not right, it's not right having Mario hitting things with a sword and using a shield and um summoning ifrit or whatever.
3: Now, I can I I can't swear to this, but I'm pretty sure that I have never played another Mario game in which Peach slaps people. That's oh. a mistake because she should be Smash slapping Brothers? people. Um well, <laughs> I mean, she, she's got yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Um hmm. That's later. Yeah. So, that's...
0: at this up to but this point. Any though. any
3: as you say any of the Super Mario games, um I I'm not I I don't had think she does.
0: there been a game in which Peach or Princess Toadstool, as she was known in America, up to this point, had she ever had any agency in any games up I don't to this know. point? No, Mario, yeah. too. Oh, yeah, Mario oh, 2. Good. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. Yeah, she didn't slap things in that because no, no one slapped anything yeah. in that. You just slapped anything.
3: <laughs> Pick things up. Well, I don't know. Pick yeah, you could up. slap
1: turnips in people's faces. <laughs> <laughs> kind
3: of. Yeah.
0: Uh, d- is that a slap? It's a more <laughs> of a luzz. <laughs> thing, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'd say. I think it was a dull thunk it would make when
2: you hit somebody with that, but.
0: Or a Birdo egg. (laughs) As we said, the reason, really, that there was no Super Mario RPG 2 and that this series kind of is the progenitor of two specific Mario RPG and later action hybrid series Mm -hmm. is because this was the last game before Square made Final Fantasy 7, which was kind of a big thumbing the nose at Nintendo and they properly as companies fell out for quite a long time having worked together so closely on this and apparently very harmoniously literally the next major project to come out of Square is a PlayStation disc-based RPG with Square saying yeah we started making Final Fantasy on for you know thinking of the N64 but essentially we can't do anything like what we want to do we want to make this very cinematic and expansive game and your cartridges aren't going to let us do this so see ya mm-hmm. and so yeah no super mario rpg 2 and in fact quite a frosty relationship between the two companies for some years after this
1: yeah i mean being a fan of yeah you know, I, I wasn't a fan of jrpgs of this time but if you were a fan around this era it must have been really kind of confusing to see like final fantasy 7 on the n64 or like the plate the sony playstation add-on to the super nintendo like it must have just been like wow look at all this potential and then it just kind of went well see ya and nintendo must have you know them must have been just i don't know they must have lost their marbles somewhere along the way during all of that because they could have had final fantasy 7 on that add-on for the snares in theory right so yeah for all that to blow up in your face it's kind of um Mm. very very typically of the 90s isn't it to kind of Mm. just have an argument over stuff like that like Blur versus Oasis and all that nonsense. And it's like, oh, Square versus Nintendo. Like everyone yeah. was up for a ruck back then and it just seemed, you know, part of the part of the um part of the charm. It also yeah. just kinda
3: of takes their ball and goes home at that point. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a shame, but it did it did as as Leanne says kinda of land into uh both the Paper Mario series and the Mario and Luigi series, which both of which I love a whole lot, so yeah, um, game has kind
0: of benefited. Yeah. And Nintendo yeah. and Square came back together for Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles just a couple of generations later. Uh, I'm not sure if that was the first game where they worked oh. together again, but it was. I feel like
3: it I know this, but I don't. Think yeah, I'm not I do. off the top of my
0: head. <laughs> so yeah, it was released on the Super Famicom in Japan, March 9th, 1996, and the US version. I guess the translation had been, I don't know if it was done in the two months in between March and May 1996 or whether there was some overlap there. But yeah, Super Nintendo version came out then. There was no European release due to cost and time of further translations. Obviously, there was an English language version which would have needed or possibly not because they didn't always bother. Minor tweaks to put it into British English. But if they were going to release it in Europe, you would also need French, German, Spanish, etc. etc. versions. It was 1996. The cost of the SA1 chip made it prohibitive as well. And projections of sales just weren't high enough for them to warrant doing it. So we had to wait until June to September 2008 outside of emulation to play, hmm. to play it officially. Hmm. Uh, first Foramite, Dusk versus Tweak. Says Super Mario RPG Today gets by on charm. The mechanics work fine and the graphics still look appealing, though a bit dated. But it's just so sunny and happy that it doesn't matter if it's not the deepest JRPG out there or the most exciting Mario game. It's a celebration of Mario and his, at the time, legacy. And Squaresoft knew how to make Mario's iconic jump not just an attack in their turn-based game, but fun to pull off as well. On that subject, uh, the other director uh, i think it's said that the the sort of the idea of the action almost rhythm action timing based gameplay was based on a japanese toy a popular toy we had one in i guess i guess this was a thing in america as well but certainly in britain a lot of kids had this electronic simon oh, yeah, which was a multi-colored that. big plastic thing which flashed colors and lights and you had to press it in time i think this japanese toy was a kind of a relative of that, if not the same thing, and so the idea that you would push the buttons, which is something that I don't think they'd done anything like this in Square RPGs at this point. I, I mean, obviously, we've covered them and I should probably know, but at this point, it was very much still always a case of press the menu option and watch the battle play out, wasn't it? Uh, later in Final Fantasy, we've had some more sort of timing based and um context based attacks and things like that, but at this stage. That was actually quite an innovation, wasn't it, for Square, to have an action, uh, uh, not, not, um, not exactly Twitch, but, but arcade action-style controls within the battle of an RPG?
3: I think so. I'm trying to think if there was anything else. Uh, if, if there was anything, then it was definitely a rarity.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think even Mystic Quest was just a select fight and then watch the fight, you know, watch the numbers disappear or mm-hmm. you know, appear and then disappear. <laughs>
1: Was there anything lurking in Chrono Trigger? Because that's got the active time battle system, right? I don't ah, think there's anything time-based. That's a very good point, actually.
0: There. Yes, that, very that, much so. That, Position-based well. and
3: everything. Yeah, uh, mm. it, not yeah. not really timing as no, such, but um, but yeah, closer to that than to than to just uh, mm. menu-based selection. And
0: enemies on the map, mm-hmm. enemies yes. actually visible before you get into the fight. Right. So this wasn't the first to do that, but it does do that, which uh, I think for many people is welcome, because mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people. And I'm I'm sure we talked about this in Final Fantasy podcasts, but the having fights with things that you literally can't see until you are in the fight, I (laughs) think is genuinely confusing to particularly to non gamers and to people who'd never played JRPGs before. It's like, what what's happening? Why am I having this fight? mm, There was no monster there.
2: My older brother um, specifically, I remember him saying it about this game and Final Fantasy three or six in the US uh, was that he didn't like that when he hit the button that the. The, like He he didn't want to pick sword, he wanted to press the button to swing the sword, you know, that was his disconnect, right. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, and yeah. Mario RPG definitely does kind of give you more ownership, you know, you hit, you hit punch, but then you press the button at the right time and get the double punch, so it kind of, it kind of, yeah. like, onboards you a little bit better to be making it feel like you're actually doing something during the battles, but, um yeah, that definitely was a frustration and disconnect for people that m- might have been gamers, but they were much more used to kind of the more, I guess, the more mainstream games of the time.
0: And that timing window on the, the jump attacks, which you can chain extensively if you're good, mm-hmm. I think the timing window possibly starts off quite small and gets smaller and smaller. Yeah. I couldn't quite work it out. sure feels Certainly like Certainly playing on, on an LCD now on under emulation, whatever, I was playing it on the classic mini. There's probably a tiny bit of input lag as well, but I was still able to get some pretty decent chains going. Joe Bobonobo talking about that, uh, the fact that we finally got the game on the Wii in Europe in June... Uh, or June, September, some point, 2008. Uh, I was always jealous of US SNES owners who got this and was a game I always wanted to check out. I had played the uh, the latter Mario RPG games and greatly enjoyed them, but I wanted to go back to where it all began. Luckily, I did such a thing when Super Mario RPG was released on the Wii Virtual Console. It definitely has the sense of humour and bizarre characters that makes these games so endearing Mario's dialogue consisting of him miming out everything was a nice little running joke throughout the game. But I had the worst luck with this game. I would start it up, get reasonably far, and then for some reason the game would delete itself. Literally no other virtual console game did this, only Mario RPG. So I restarted it and was making good progress until it deleted itself again. I believe this happened a total of three times and it honestly killed my enthusiasm for finishing the game I liked what I saw, but for whatever reason, the copy I downloaded was determined that it would never let me finish it with these constant deletions. So because I never truly finished this, I can't properly rate it as one of my favourites. But what I can say is that the game did contain the seeds for what became some of the most outright fun, accessible and charming JRPG series I've ever played. For being the first alone, Super Mario RPG gets my respect. I did download the Wii Virtual Console version, but I didn't play far enough into it to know to find out if this is a known issue. I assume it mm. isn't, or maybe they really they did release patches for some Virtual Console games on the Wii that you had to then. You, it didn't work like it does now, where you just get an auto update. You had to go back into the shop, find the game that you've already bought, and download mm. the latest version. So it, it might have been something that they addressed, but um, but it works. It works perfectly on my SNES Mini i should say Hmm. and uh darren you played the wii u virtual console version is that right yeah i
1: did yeah um i I must have bought it in the past no no issues at all i must have bought it in the past because when i went to buy it again it was like one pound 49 or something that's right yeah
0: yeah yeah nice Hmm. uh and the wii u version came out in december 2015 in the uk europe and australia and then for whatever reason this time the americans got it six months later in June 2016, oh. <laughs> but they coped because they'd already had it for ten <laughs> years outrageous. at this point. Hmm. Uh, the, there were a couple of tweaks to the virtual console versions due to concerns about uh, photosensitive epilepsy and seizures. The attacks Flame wall and Static E were quite significantly visually altered so as not to provoke those uh, those fits, such as were made probably famous by that episode of the Pokemon anime all those years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was included as part of the default selection of games on the Super SNES Classic Edition Brackets Mini, which came out in, I can't believe, this is almost three years ago now. Well, September to October 2017. Uh, still love my SNES Mini. Still getting plenty of use for this show. Uh, game rankings-wise, the old scores it got from the multiple outlets was uh, eight, 89% nintendo life users have it at exactly the same 8.9 out of 10 and the game is reported to have sold over 2 million copies 2.14 million copies now brian you nominated this game yes. for the series for this uh, volume of the show yeah so i assume you have fond childhood memories of it I very much do. Um, and I think I
2: indicated this to you guys a few weeks ago, um, that, you know, my my v- vision of this game is certainly tainted with nostalgia because um I was uh, yeah, I know. Um I only I, want cold clinical taste. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna try <laughs> to sterile emotion. I'm gonna try to sterilize it as much as possible. Um <laughs> but the yeah, so our local rental uh store, uh which was called Video World at the time, um they had a they had a they had a pretty decent selection of S N E S games and my, my town I grew up in is very small. I mean like like less than three thousand people small. And um so I was mm. like one of the dozen kids that was in there all the time just renting games. <laughs> and um I had been familiar with this because I was a subscriber to Nintendo Power and a couple other things, so they got it on the day of release, I was surprised, and I went down and I rented it. It was like a three day rental or something, and I just played and played and played it. And I went back and I renewed my rental and I played and played and played it and I think I ended up renewing my rental two or three times and I ended up beating the game and then nobody uh,
0: erased the battery in the meantime no so no. You, re, uh, you re you re-rented it yeah
2: because because i was one of the only kids that like cared about this stuff so they right, just knew right. I, I could just call up the store and be like yeah, i'll bring you you know the, another five dollars the next time i come in or whatever it was ah, nice um yeah so uh yeah so I, I rented it and then i and i completed it and then about maybe six or nine months later i rented it again and and did, did the same thing and then maybe another six months after that well into the n64 which i didn't have yet at the time and I, I rented it again and completed it to the point where after my third go through, I had rented this game probably 12 or 15 times. Um, The store owner said that I was literally the only person that had rented rented it since they got <laughs> it in. So they just gave it to me. And well, by that oh, point, man. you had probably
3: actually paid for it. Yes, exactly. And itself.
2: I was I was obsessed with it. I um, it was uh, easily, you know, if you know, if you were to ask me at that time, what were my favorite games of all time? You know, that would be that would have been very high on my list. But, you know, as a child, those lists changed often and frequently. Um, but yeah, so I still have the, uh, original cartridge, uh, that I got from them. It still has the little oh, video I... world sticker on the back of it. And, um, yeah, uh, so I've had that ever since I've probably played through this game a dozen times or more over the course of my life. Um, uh, played it on the, the Wii virtual console. I didn't get it on the Wii U virtual console, but it was, um, it was literally the first game I played on my SNES mini when I got it. And I remember my wife asking me, didn't you just play through this? And I was like, who do you think you are talking to me? Like, no, um, I, I, I said, I said, yeah, I just like, it just, it's, Playing it in all of its new form, it, it was really neat to me to see it uh, live on like that. So yeah, I have um, a huge amount of love and nostalgia for this game, and every time I replay it, I see more of the cracks and I see more of the things. But God, <laughs> if, if it just doesn't still charm the pants off me, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what else it does. So yeah, it's really
0: going to hurt you when we absolutely lay into it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Show, isn't it? Yeah, uh,
2: <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm just going to tune out for the next hour. No, no, no. It was, um, yeah. No, I, I have, I have a ton of fondness for it.
0: Excellent. So, Leah, you must have got it next out of us because you are a USA of America person. Uh,
3: yeah, so you would think so. But uh, if you will uh, cast your mind back to basically any other SNES show I've been on, I didn't have a oh, SNES. Oh, yeah. So you didn't have a SNES, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually probably played it closer to when uh, you all were able to play it for the first time, because I played oh. it for the first time on the Wii Virtual Console. Um,
0: didn't delete your game?
3: no not not to my <laughs> recollection i was able to uh, to complete it um i did just really bad luck for uh, for the other correspondent but um yeah i uh, i i didn't ever get around to it uh on its initial run just because i i didn't have uh, a super nintendo but being a pretty big square fan uh i i did seek it out later on um cool. And, uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed it the first time around. I've played it a couple of times. Uh, Most recently, I I did another playthrough for the show on my SNES Mini. um, And I... (laughs) Just graphics-wise, it's funny because I... I don't generally like just putting a CRT filter on things just uh, yeah. because, but it right. actually does help a lot with this oh, game. Oh yeah. Um, so
0: much. Yeah, yeah. This this is the like I do like a good CRT filter. I don't like a bad CRT filter. Yeah. But obviously. this game it's it's transformative. These graphics were clearly designed to be run yes. on a, a screen it that is. has the slight softening and mm-hmm. the 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 lines that Intersect as they go down the screen, intersect the visuals, kind of thing. Because without them, it kind of looks like a big old splurgy mess. I think, but with them, it's like, oh, I get it. I see what they were going for there. So yeah, as a strong recommend from me mm-hmm. to if you are going to play this, play it with a visual, a, C- a CRT filter if you can.
3: Yeah, that uh, that I I do remember uh, from the first time playing it. You know, just kind of going, not not necessarily going, oh, this looks bad because I didn't mm. I didn't think that, but it it you could tell that it wasn't it wasn't really uh designed with modern uh no. displays in mind, which i mean there's no reason that it would have been but then when you can actually see it in the uh in its intended form it uh it's it as you say kind of transformed it for me but um but yeah enjoyed it the first time uh enjoyed it this time I like it a lot uh despite not having a whole lot of uh original
0: nostalgia for it. Mm, cool. Uh, Darren, was this your first, this Wii U virtual console, was this your first time with it? Because you're not much of an RPG guy, generally.
1: No, not really. I find uh, the aforementioned, um, you know, the, the spontaneous battle is a bit of a chore. Like, same mm-hmm. with Pokemon as well. Like, you, know, you It's mm-hmm. a bit more, sim- more uh, obvious in Pokemon, because you go in the long grass, and therefore a battle may or may not happen. But in Final Fantasy, I've tried so many times to enjoy the series, and I think I got to, like, disc three on seven, and I was just like... I can't carry on with this. It just seems to go on forever. So yeah, me and JRPGs, I've always tried of them. I've tried Earthbound, Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, loads of them. And I've never really finished, uh, well, any of them really, apart from the Mario and uh, Luigi series, Paper Mario series. And we're going to talk about this. Final Fantasy
3: 15 later. Just, <laughs> <laughs> But you know, um,
1: so the whole thing is just like, it's always kind of been a, a curio for me, like so, so some of them do. Uh, Chronic Trigger as well, I have played through, and I thought it was oh, brilliant.
4: Um, yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, th- this was my first playthrough, but I've tried before on emulation. You know, But when you play games on emulation, you tend to just dismiss them. If, if any slight friction happens on emulation, you're like, nope, I can just you know check out the other million ROMs that I've got, and you don't really appreciate the game. You know what I'm saying? And then I tried on the Wii, and again, I just couldn't get into it. I was just like, I don't really know why why not you know what it's a mario game it's it's a light rpg and i should be into it because by this point i would played the the game boy advanced games and the paper marios and all that i was i was but i was just like man i just haven't really got the um you know the the emphasis you know, the, what's it, the impetus. Enthusiasm. yeah impetus mm. thank you well i just couldn't i just couldn't find it and the opportunity came up on you know to be on this podcast and i was like you know what if, there, if there's ever a chance i'm going to play through this game for, you know the reasons for this you know to, to play through it would be would be this so i did and yeah uh, the wii U version was exactly my first playthrough um so yeah uh, like i say i'm a big fan of paper mario uh, of a series it, it has dwindled in quality uh, in, my, in my opinion mm-hmm. um, but marion luigi introduced me to and paper mario for that matter the um kind of the action battle stuff and i thought it was absolutely fascinating so then to see it in this i was like okay maybe i was a bit kind of uh, not wrong, but incorrect in dismissing this game as kind of a bit like a bit of a, yeah, it's less of a JRPG than I thought it would be, and by that I mean you know the, the, the random battles and yeah the really long story that kind of goes on and on and on yeah so yeah first time through uh in twenty twenty maybe twenty mm. nine ish yeah so, hm,
0: yeah same for me in terms of actually finally getting around to play it I did buy it on Wii and upgraded that version to the Wii U version always with the genuine intention of playing it but really tends to take the the excuse or the the reason of a Kane Rinse podcast coming around to actually sit down and uh, do these things sometimes not because they're onerous as such but just because you have to make a window then and and settle down to it and commit properly so yeah I played it through I, I finished it a couple of weeks ago actually it was uh, I think it was one of those rare ones that actually took took me slightly less time to get through than I was almost expecting even though my finished play time was I can't actually remember now, but it was in the. I don't know what what would make sense. I can't think now. Is it like twenty hours? Maybe. Mom was about twenty. Yeah, it's yeah somewhere in that range. I
4: would say. Mm. Yeah, depending on. So how. not
0: minus. Certainly not a, a a tiny trifling matter, but not the length of a lot of the. Even some of the square games that were around the same time might have been double that length or or more. So, uh, it's relatively punchy. Uh, yeah, the Baboon Baron. From the forum says, my memories have begun to blur together like cheap trifles these days, but the memories I have of Super Mario RPG are pretty clear. The only way I could play it was via Emulator, which brought with it a mixture of emotions, but even so, it could not detract from a fascinating little game that has gone on to have quite an impact, one I completely and totally missed back in the Super Nintendo era. I remember quite clearly how frankly adorable it was, but with a subtle wink at the camera in more than a few scenes that knew. There were more than a few older gamers out there giggling along. As someone who normally bounces off turn-based RPGs, the battle system with its more reactive approach really appealed to me. I still had to keep my reactions sharp and not tap away through menu after menu. I never got to the end and the thought of stepping up to see it through now doesn't appeal to me too much, but it is held in high regard and I can see why going on to influence all sorts of games. It really helped me appreciate RPGs to see past some of the more grindy fantasy that my friends played and I reluctantly watched. Let's talk about the scenario and the setting and the script, or at least the translated localised script, because Mm. none of us has played the Japanese version in Japanese as such. According to the Wii U eShop, the Mushroom Kingdom faces a new threat when a giant sword falls from the sky. There's the sword in the end, Mm -hmm. and lays chaos upon the land. Mario must gather a crew of unexpected allies to take on the nefarious Smithy Gang. Before Paper Mario and Mario and Luigi, the first role-playing game featuring Mario was this celebrated collaboration between Nintendo and the makers of Final Fantasy, Squaresoft, now Square Enix. Many players hold fond memories of the witty dialogue and colourful characters such as Mallow and Geno. I suppose the first thing I wanted to say was it doesn't feel to me like it is a legitimate, normal, regular Mushroom Kingdom adventure in the way that Nintendo ones do. It does feel to me like a weird hybrid because it has got all those familiar characters and places, but it's also got at least as much new and different stuff. Places we've never seen before, characters we've never heard of before um and that's not not saying that's necessarily a good or a bad thing but it sits slightly at odds with it it doesn't feel like you know when you start up a i don't know a new super mario brothers game and you see the cutscenes play out you're like yeah okay this is nintendo and this is mm. the mushroom kingdom but here there's all this kind of stuff to make it feel slightly alien i'm not talking about the genre of the game mm. i'm talking about the actual the way the look and the feel and yeah the the people in this slightly Off-Kilter version of the Mushroom Kingdom world.
1: I'll tell you what it reminds me of, because we're playing it through for the first time, obviously. Um, it reminds me of when I go upstairs and I look in my daughter's playroom and there's just toys just next to each other. Like there's like this toy set over here, there's a Mario set over there, (laughs) and they're all mashed together and it all kind of makes sense in her little head. Right. And the way these Mario levels are laid out in this in this RPG, or say the world, the maps. They're all, like, kind of isometric, and they've got these little joiny bits at the end. And mm. there's, a, there's a series of toys called VTech over here. And you click them all together, and they all join together. It doesn't matter which one you buy. You can all click them together, and it'll be, mm-hmm. you know, be fine. It reminds me of that. Like, they've just got all these kind of play sets. And they've gone, right, what we can do here? This is the Mushroom Kingdom play set. And over here is the really weird one where you're in a tower. And it's like, okay. And then over here, it's like this this is ghost ship that doesn't really fit in, but it does. doesn't really look like the Super Mario World ghost ship, but it kind of does. So, like... It's almost like, you know, that they, they, they well, it's a Square-based Mario game, right? So they've obviously got influences from their history of games mixed in with the Mario stuff. And it all just kind of feels slightly off-kilter. And it really kind of... Yeah, it was interesting to see, like, that some of the scenarios you do end up running through. Because you're just like, you know what? That, this doesn't really, like, join as well as I thought it would do. Because... Playing through the Paper Mario games before this, like the, the way that game flows, is kind of well, it feels more like a Mushroom Kingdom, right? And it does happen; it does feel more cohesive. Whereas here, like I said, yeah, it just feels like a Someone just chucked a bunch of toys in the room and just like just made them play with each other. Yeah, so it's um, it's uh it's an extraordinary mishmash of um aesthetics, I guess. And that actually, well, that's yeah, actually they play with that out, directly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think
3: this is what you were gonna say, Leon. Is they there is a scene where there's a kid playing with literally the toys that you are running around with, so. uh
0: yeah, and that's yeah, how it that's, kind of introduces Geno to Western yeah, Kingdom how you characters. Get Gino. Yeah. yeah, Brian. So you were there. You were the youngest of us to play it at the time. If you <laughs> see what I mean. Yeah. Did you get that sense about it, or was your slightly younger, more elastic mind just thinking, "Well, it's another Mario game"?
2: No, I definitely got that sense about it. I was. It was one of those things where uh, I don't want to say this. Like like one like when the when the sword like that the way that the the game opens up and the sword spins around and just sticks down into the castle like that, and it's like and then and then you kind of see all these kind of this this weird mishmash of of everything coming together and and then when, when you kind of get out of that first little area, like even just coming out of the house and seeing like the pipe and seeing kinda how the world mm. all it it doesn't feel quite like the mushroom kingdom right from the bat, mm. I would say, but for me that was um that was pretty exciting actually um for me at the yeah. time. I just like you know, like like this is like it really felt like it was taking a step and doing something different right, right off the bat. So mm. so I didn't necessarily like I, it wasn't really a turnoff or, or or anything for me, but as much as it was just kinda like, oh, this is not gonna be a tr- like I'm not gonna be running through areas that look like one one from the first game. You know what I mean? Mm. It's gonna be a kind of a yeah, whole different right. thing. So um so yeah and I and and you kinda touched on it earlier with kind of, like, the character design and and some different design of, like, the enemies and stuff, like, just from the first Goomba you th- you see, like, for some reason, like, they, the Goomba in this game is portrayed as kind of, like, almost, like, relatively flat, you know, he's kind of got this <laughs> narrow, longer body, and he rolls at you, and like, like, in my mind, the, Goom- the Goomba is a perfect circle, you know, kind of how you see it in the new 3D Mario games and stuff, so, like, it, you could tell right off the bat there were, there were some creative, I don't want to say creative liberties, but just kind of um, there were going to be interpretations some, exactly yeah. creative interpretation. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, of some of these characters that you've built up in your mind as being a certain way, so yeah, it does kind and of. We'd
0: never seen them at this literally. We'd never seen them at this angle before. Yeah, that's true.
2: <laughs> yeah, so um, I also like, and I don't know if this is the <laughs> time to talk about it. It's it's very specific, but the I can't think now. The heavy paratroopa, just the big bulbousy sh- shield yeah. <laughs> I just like first time I saw that guy, I'm like this this is ridi- like in the best ridiculous that you could have right you know it's just like this big doofy flying like there's no way those tiny wings are keeping his you know his body up in the air but like he I don't looks know, pretty
3: like, chill about it though yeah, like, he's, he, yeah, he's, he's like, not concerned he's not angry he's so, just kind of hanging
2: out hey, he's just gonna kind of hang he's supposed to attack you so he's gonna like all right you know but like uh <laughs> yeah it, like you see those kind of plays on um uh, on on the classic forms that we know from the original series so um yeah, I really like that. I still like it. Kind of when we're revisiting it, it it reminds you that sometimes a fresh set of eyes on the things that you've known and loved for a long time is can create some wacky and fun interpretations of the things that that you've known
0: for a while. And one thing that is I've seen mentioned a few times and I certainly got a little bit thrown by this at first. Many people assume that Smithy is the giant sword. Right. But <laughs> it doesn't really ever show you Smithy until you fight him at the yeah. end. Yeah. So the idea, so in this game, Bowser, although you might initially think Bowser's going to be the big bad, it turns out that in this game, haven't issued a spoiler alert, Bowser is an ally or becomes an ally. And it's quite sweet how they team up and become all chummy. I mean, I suppose this sets the uh, precedent for a lot of the sports games and stuff where they can be on the same uh, tennis doubles team and whatever else. But yeah, Smithy is this one particular guy who is a kind of weapons smith figure who you fight right towards the end and uh the sword is called e- x Ex- exxon or something like that like it's the it's his ship basically yeah. isn't it yeah yeah,
2: yeah. um yeah Ex- exxon i don't know i can't believe i can't I'm remember i'm pretty that, sure it's yeah. not exxon uh-huh. uh, hold on <laughs> yeah exxon mobile no um
0: <laughs> Xor.
3: Ex- uh, okay yeah thank you it's a very detailed um, um allegory
0: yeah, it's. I don't think it is. I mean, if it is, it's uh, It's. It's quite deeply buried. Um, but yeah, that's just a, a, a curious quirk. The, the game never really actually introduces the main villain, other than it's Big Sword. Well, that, and that then,
3: tracks for Square, actually.
0: <laughs> uh, good point, good yeah.
4: point.
0: Yeah, it was XOR, XOR, Exor. Exor, E-X-O-R. Yeah. Exor. What I would say about the script here is that I think it's a marked improvement in terms of I mean, subtlety doesn't seem like the right word for such a kind of family friendly affair with a lot of very broad humor in it. And I don't think compared to the the what we'd see later from the localizations of particularly uh, like the Thousand Year Door and um, the Mario and Luigi RPG series yeah. where you ended up getting some really quite witty and Mm -hmm. uh, amusing exchanges. I don't think this is quite at that level and obviously partly it's the limitation of characters and memory so they don't there's literally not as much script but I think what is there is is surprisingly uh, amusing and charming like it it's not you're not going to be rolling in the aisles I wouldn't have said for most people but there's some genuinely you know, smirk worthy exchanges and sort of scenes that play out.
2: I think that the Something that's striking about this game is the characters emote very well, um, mm-hmm. and I mean that's even shown like and and was talked about before by one of the correspondents of how like Mario kind of mimes all of his conversation. He, he never yeah. says anything. Mm-hmm. He all does he does things through acting out. But like even like those those scenes like where Bowser is crying and the, he's got those two very comical tears just kind of going up oh, and yeah. down on his face or <laughs> they're, they're you know the the like the mouth open or like the pratfalls falls that they do mm-hmm. and when something doesn't land like. This game communicates a lot to you just by the way the characters look and act. So I think that that helps with um, either the quality or, or or the lack of quality in the translation. And um, it it it's not hard to I mean, they're already conveying a lot of the message about what's going on in the story just by what they're doing. Um, and there's certain things that, you know, don't kind of like, you know, don't hit as well or like some pretty cliche parts and things like that. But in general, I think just the character, them characters themselves do a lot to convey that that script to you in a way that. Like that first time, I'll, I'll I remember I laughed out loud, but again I was a kid. Um, where uh the uh, the king was trying to the chancellor was trying to explain stuff to Mario, and he stopped him twice, and then the third time he stopped him, Mario rolls backwards down the entire flight of stairs. Oh, you know? Yeah, like I mean just stuff like that. I think it's just it's just got an mm. interesting charm to it. So.
1: Ah, strange. Yeah, yeah, but it's just like there's some very strange lines of dialogue in, the, in that in this game. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it did make me laugh to be honest because it's just you know Princess Peach's all of her moves are to do with like hugging and talking and the stuff like that. Like
0: uh, obviously this group person, like, hug is quite funny. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was I was going to mention that it's worth worth bringing up because there's the the game from ten years after this called Super Princess Peach, which now mm. looks quite sexist and reductive. Absolutely, yeah, it's a good
1: game though. It wasn't the time; it wasn't the time, man. Like, I remember playing it, yeah. thinking you're solving puzzles by pressing the button that makes her cry. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's yeah. just weird. Yeah. Yes,
0: definitely. Yeah, not not um, the game design is sort of interesting, but the fact that they thought, let's do a character where the woman stars and she's completely, like, your inter- all, all your interaction with the world are governed by some uh, sensitive emotions. Yeah, it was <laughs> but, all emotion. Yeah. But here, I actually, like, she's Princess Peach. So the fact that, she- yeah, okay, she's a female character, but she's Princess Peach is the point. And so it makes sense for her character that group hug is her thing so because it's a jrpg and and let's be clear this game does in many ways follow the absolute template of its final fantasy predecessors you have to have a healer so of course it makes sense based on the history of these characters and yeah you could go into the politics of that if you wanted to but it makes sense for this game that princess peach is the healer and therefore when you're thinking right how can we do this without having swords and magic and healing spells which they kind of effectively do to all intents and purposes they gave her a group hug, which I just thought was quite sweet. You know, like the fact that she's the one who says, come on, let's all get together and have a hug and we'll feel better. I thought, you know, I'm I'm cool with that. If you're if you're one of those people like me who is happy to be just occasionally wrapped in, a, you know, just a children's storybook effectively. It's it's a pleasant thing without. It comes with no stress, particularly. Yeah,
3: mm. it is, uh, and, and I, I, <laughs> I, I realize how this is probably going to sound coming from me specifically, but uh, it is a pretty easy uh, game. And I would say so. And yeah. I think that it, as such, and this is a good thing. It, it is kind of a, a good like starter RPG almost, because oh, yeah. people <laughs> absolutely might be coming to this game who are not. RPG players and who might get frustrated with some. That was these. the plan, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think they did a really good job with that. Um, because I mean, there are, there are a couple of boss fights that can be pretty tough. Um, I used save states on the last boss because I just was over having to go back to the save point at that point. Right. But um, right. But yeah, but yeah. I mean, uh, overall, it is not a a an especially difficult game, but it still has enough um skill. You have to
0: think about it. To right. it, yeah. That yeah. that
3: you can you can go pretty deep if you want to. Um. So, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not exactly, you know, baby's first RPG or anything, but it is, uh, it it's accessible is, is the word I want here. Yeah. Um, and it did, again, in, in a gentle way a is the of, word I would yeah, use, Yeah, in, in, in a way, a lot of, um, Square RPGs, previous and after, are, are not Definitely necessarily. Not. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it, that onboarding thing you talked about, Leah, like, uh, like somebody's first RPG, like, you're saying, you're saying like the baby RPG thing, it, it, it's funny, but like, in reality, for me, that the person that it was marketed at was me, and it worked completely. Yeah, because I mean, I was ravenous for JRPG stuff after this game, and I had I had dabbled in some, I had played some of Final Fantasy VI, you know, and um, and a little bit of Chrono Trigger, but it was after Super Mario RPG that I went back to those and felt like mm-hmm. I had a fundamental understanding of how the game. Absolutely worked. right. So yeah. yeah, so my friend, I've talked about this on some other podcasts. But I have a friend across the street who brought me over Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger after this, and I had never played either of them, and I just I had just like. It just, I blasted through those and it was really yeah. kind of that, like, it, it wet the appetite for kind of seeing, like, then getting involved in those games and having yeah. to be a little bit more strategic and think about my party dynamics and all that stuff. And then to, to now where, like, I, I crave those types of experiences. I mean, it worked great as onboarding somebody in, in, to getting into that style sure. of game. So, yeah, mm. no, it was really, um yeah, it was really something. And it, it, it did kind of open my my eyes up as a young gamer to thinking about like how the the different ways that games can you know kind of approach different problems like combat and things like you know like and and how different those things can be and how kind of seeing it from all angles really um really was something that appealed to me so yeah i it, it, for for me personally it it hit that exact mark they were looking mm-hmm. for i'm not sure if it did that for everybody but
3: I imagine it did for a lot of it. This is this is a very similar conversation to one we're going to have in whatever it is a couple of months when we do Paper Mario because that's what happened to me with that. But yeah, um, uh-huh. but yes, uh-huh. it yeah, it's it's very. Um, I I think that it it's very good for that kind of thing because people you know are gonna see this who have played Mario games and who have not necessarily tried any JRPGs and then once they get that you know just kind of go off and right in become little otaku's like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> mr ixolite says uh, having dabbled with the mario and luigi games it was interesting to see the origins of their hallmarks the interactive turn-based gameplay and the irreverent tone in super mario rpg but courtesy of squaresoft the original super mario rpg has an identity all of its own like a new chef mixing up a trusted recipe so you have recognizable things like mario peach and bowser but then Mallow and gino look like nothing else in the series. You have enemies that feel imported from other JRPGs or the Donkey Kong Country series. You have Mario himself being allowed way more expressiveness and character than usual. When Mallow had to physically restrain a furious Mario from bum-rushing a boss saying, who do you think you are, Bruce Lee? I could hardly believe my eyes. (laughs) Yet for all the game's charms, my interest eventually waned until I put it on hold. Having had the same problem with the Mario and Luigi games, I think it comes down to the tone. It's not that I dislike light-hearted or comedic games, and this one is frequently hilarious, but it is not enough to sustain my interest in a multi-hour epic. Unless the game is short and sweet, I need some actual dramatic and emotional weight, along with the comedy, to keep me hooked. Like, I love Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but would never want to see a 15-hour version of it. Still, Super Mario RPG is charming enough that I want to revisit it. Hopefully it will get a Switch release sooner or later, as the portability Mm. might be required for me to finish the game. Mr. Ixalite talking about the characters in the game. For me, the game is a fascinating case study of what happens when a non-Nintendo developer gets their hands on the Mario license. There's the self-aware humor, the enemies that feel like they walked in from other properties, but also the fact that you can make Mario kind of a douche. A simple example from early in the game, You meet a young Toad who's jumping maniacally, who asks if he can become as good at jumping as you. To this, you can offer a supportive, sure, or a flippant, dream on, kid. Like, it's a small thing, but I couldn't believe it was in a Mario game.
1: (laughs) Paragon renegade, Mario. (laughs) They
0: should should have gone with that system. Mm. Uh, So, yes, beyond that uh there's a bunch of toads i think was this one of the first games where we saw multiple toads with different genders and characteristics and personalities it's got to be close to the first time i think that was
2: represented like kind of like the toad more as a like a race or species as opposed mm. to just a character yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right
0: yeah uh and the chancellor who i think we sort of apparently in development was more uh wizened and sort of even older and more gray-haired looking like the, the sort of traditional jrpg village elder type figure but mm. became more sort of statesman like um and i think that character kind of lives on in super mario sunshine and some others doesn't it the the sort of the mustachioed yeah. slightly oh, yeah. senior yeah, yeah. toad kind of figure. Yeah,
1: speaking of toads as a race didn't we see like uh, out of the game world in the cartoon world a mario super show i'm sure that had like plenty of toads oh maybe around. so maybe in like ah, yeah, in I've I've the deep law books it was kind of a thing but you've never really seen it in like super mario bros mm. or brothers <laughs> do you know what i mean and yeah. Uh, so yeah it was interesting to see like it come to fruition um but now it's just kind of part and parcel isn't it they're always squeaking and shouting and stuff so yeah yeah wouldn't have it any other way really
0: so two characters i think it's probably important to talk about because they're the two most prominent unique and they are literally unique in that They've never been seen again. Yeah, that's.
2: I want to talk about that a little bit, but sorry, go ahead. Sure.
0: Okay, well, let's start with Mallow because you meet Mallow first. He, uh,
2: yeah, I. Go for it. I love Mallow. Like in, yeah, I like Mallow a lot. All, in, in every bit of this game, like the story, his backstory, and kind of the mm. orphan child getting to what eventually is his, his former kingdom. Obviously, he has to be a prince because JRPGs. But, like, they. <laughs> I just don't. Like, he's so sweet and innocent and fun mm. and, like, and. When you first get him, he's like pretty weak too. You know, he, mm-hmm. he's a novice, you know, and like mm. at the beginning of that game, like you know, even with that double punch, you can kinda do that. He's doing, you know, fractions of the damage that Mario does. Right. And, um and he, he just doesn't get a weapon for just yeah. Yeah, right? no, he ends up getting the Takes he, a while. get the froggy stick from Frog Fujius. That's a sentence that I just sent out loud. Um <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but um but yeah, Symbols no, he's later, just he's this really sweet and innocent and fun character and he just he looks so cute and I love when he does spells, like his whole body lifts out of his pants, so like because he's, those... he's a little cloud yeah, person does he, but he has feet though so I, it's does do the cloud then sink into the shoes and he move? like i don't care i don't want to know it's just like it's he's such a it's you, such could, an you interesting could google character. for that
0: too i'm sure <laughs> oh god know. yeah he looks like a little ice cream
2: yeah he really does and and, and <laughs> the thing is is that like he fits in the mario in the mushroom kingdom like that could be a mario character it wasn't yeah. developed by specifically just nintendo but like he belongs there and, and you and there are a bunch of other characters in this world where some of them I feel like maybe a little bit out of place, maybe don't really jive with the whole Mario universe. But Mallow is just mm. one of them. Like if like if, if we could would have come across Nimbus Land in Mario Odyssey, I would have been stoked. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's like it just he seems yeah, like he belongs. Right. I really I'm a mm. I'm a Mallow fan for sure. Mallow for Smash. To hell with Gino for Clouds.
1: Smash. All the all the clouds in Mario games have had faces on, so it was just kind of a natural progression, right? right? Yes. Yeah, like, you yeah. think
3: you think the yeah. Lakitus are actually riding Mallow's descendants?
0: Could be. And <laughs> well, what about in to... <laughs> Super Mario Galaxy Two where Mario gets that cloud power up? Oh, maybe yeah. he's merging. He's summoning with Mallow. Mallow. <laughs> the only thing that crossed my mind about a a subsequent incarnation of Mallow was the uh pull, pull blocks and fall blocks or Crash Mo mm-hmm. and Pushmo okay, games. Yeah. Because there is a character called Mallow in that, but he's a kind of weird, cute sumo wrestler, and it's spelled slightly differently. But I did wonder because those, are by, those games are by Intelligent Systems who, of course, took over from, the, yeah. uh, from Square for the Paper Mario games. And the other one, iconic, some might say, although I really have, un- until playing this game for the show and doing the research, I hadn't realised quite what a cult figure Gino is and has become. So Gino is ostensibly a little straw doll man with a magic hat. Is that? But he, in the game, so he he we see him as a toy, and then he comes to life. He's a star person. Um, I don't get it. <laughs> he's kind of like there's. He's all right. He's got some good moves. I like using him in my party.
3: He's a glass cannon, and I hated him. I got rid of him as soon as I could.
0: Oh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, I used him all the way through to the end. The only the only character I changed because I used uh, Mario, Mallow, and Gino all the way through until Mallow's healing spells were no longer sufficient. Right. And then I switched in Toadstool for the last couple of areas of the game. That was it. Um, Never used Bowser.
3: Oh, see, I did that with my, my party as soon as I could get to him because they're, they're the later characters you get was, was Mario Bowser peach or toadstool. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay.
2: The, the only, the only character in the game that I, that I consistently still now don't, don't mainline in my party is, is Gino. And it's not cause I don't like him or anything. It's just like, I feel everything is just pretty generic. Like even like his, his rapid shots attack and, and everything mm-hmm. and, and his star cannon, like it's all interesting. And, but like, the fact that he was just he's like kind of a like a materialized star like the stars sent him down like to possess this doll and like um yeah
3: i don't know what it
0: is just... his enduring popular cult status all about because to I me he was kind of a blank slate but I think maybe it's the enigma that people like as well as the slightly curious design I I don't really get it
1: from from my point of view as someone who doesn't really uh, you know enjoy the the genre of JRPG to me he seemed more like a square character than the rest of them in the the entire game right Mm. so square fans were like well I'm going to gravitate towards this one because he looks like he belongs in Final Fantasy 9 to me like he's got that kind of that aesthetic you know he kind of looks like a square character through and through whereas the rest of the roster is Mario flavored. Mm. And uh, yeah, mm. so I can see the the zealous kind of, oh, zealous is probably too strong a word, but you know, the fans of Final Fantasy and yeah. Chrono Trigger and going, well, why don't you put Geno in Chrono Trigger? Why don't you put Geno in Final Fantasy or whichever, you know, RPGs that are coming out from Square? It seemed like there was just a massive kind of. Well, online, massive. Um, you know, um, ask for Gino. It's like, well, where's Gino in Smash? Where's Gino in this? Where's Gino in that? And you're like, I'm thinking, where where is Gino from? I've never heard of him before. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, I'm playing this, and I'm like, is this the Gino that everyone seems to be on about? And like, you know, the feverish, you know, after Banjo and Smash came out, it was like Gino next, Gino. And I'm like, I don't know who Gino is, but you you look at him now, and it's just like, yeah, he looks like a square character, and you you imagine like <clears throat> there's kind of plenty of fan fiction out there where Gino is like, you know. His legacy has lived on in kind of word form. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't get it 100% myself, but as a, as a purely aesthetic thing, he looks more square.
0: Nintendo has never come out and directly said, "Right, you all, we know you all want Geno for Smash, but Square owns it, so we can't do it." There's, there's never yeah, been any right. conversation like that,
1: I guess. Well, that, yeah, you know, that'd be throwing them under the bus, so to speak. Mm. Some stuff's just best just left on, on the, you know, under the table, so yeah. to speak, mm. rather than going, "Oh, square's fault you can't have it." Like it's yeah. just best not to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Some companies do it, don't I, they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: I, mean, he... I i don't i don't know where any of that comes from um and it's like i said it's not no particular i don't have a dislike for him i just kind of no he's just kind of there you know what i mean yeah. and he's like he's like like at this you kind of view it at least the way i kind of view it is like the pacing of a jrpg is like we get to this point all right we kind of need a new party member you know what i mean like like we gotta mm-hmm. gotta brand, break it up a little bit before, this game's gonna go on for another 10 hours we gotta give somebody you know somebody else to play with and um, that's the purpose he serves. But even for, like, the part of the story, like, they, they you go up into, like, the star, like, hills there to, get the, last star, to mm. get the next star, and it's kind of the introduction to him as a character. And even that area, doesn't, you don't really do anything there. There's no boss fight there. Mm-hmm. There's no real story there except for, you know, you just it kind It takes of... about
3: 20 minutes to get to that's the top of the hill, star. and then, you, yeah. You, yeah, then exactly. you're
2: out. It's you not walk not... up to the star, it spins around, and you come back down, and then it's on to the next thing. It's, it's kind of the most uninteresting part of the game to me personally, too,
0: so... Mm.
2: Yeah, not quite sure. The
0: month... From the forum says, I'm mainly just here to say that I don't think that Gino is cool. (laughs) He's very plain and heroic without much substance. He doesn't say a word after his part of the story's done. His role on the team's arguably pretty replaceable. I guess he looks a little neat and woohoo Gino whirl. But yeah, certainly not worth all the heaping praise he gets for being an almost nothing character. Of course, maybe I missed his crucial four hour side quest. And this is the part where someone chimes in to make. He look like a fool. No, uh, <laughs> no, I, no, I it think too. I
3: think we're pretty much on the same page. Here. He does
0: have an attack which makes one of the hard bosses an instant instant kill, though, which yeah. was quite handy. Mm-hmm. He gets nine 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 on, on in certain situations. Yeah, I mean,
3: I, he's, he's, uh, he's very powerful if you, if you uh, stick with, stick him in your party and, and keep him leveled up. I just I didn't find it to be worth the effort. I like Bowser because he punches things real hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. Yep. I just added uh, I, I had this thing where so when characters level up in this game rather than it just automatically distributing points or you having any kind of complex grid, you just basically say, do, do I want to boost them in terms of attack, in terms of mm. magic power, if you will flower points uh, or hit points. And with Gino I just always added to hit points. With Mario uh, always added added to his attack power. And with mallow and Toadstool. i always added to their magic abilities mm-hmm. and that seemed to serve me pretty well
2: yeah they've kind of they, i don't want to say telegraph it but i mean basically you you, you can just min max and it's very simple a uh, simple yeah. um, thing type. for min maxing yeah. but yeah but i mean you just you you know what characters are built to do what right from the beginning so if you just continue to pound on that like mm. it, you, you're you're not going to necessarily break the game but like you said alluded to before Leon, you can get to a point where nothing's really that much of a challenge
0: at all mm. Frog Fuchsius, worth a mention, who is your sort of elderly, elder, um, wizened character, albeit a frog adoptive parent of Mallow. So when you first meet Mallow, he still believes he's a tadpole.
3: I do, I do like that scene where where you go to Frog Fuchsius and he's like, uh, yeah, I hate to break this to you, kid, but you're not actually a frog. <laughs> hmm.
2: I love how a, a is like bringing him in on the fishing line to make it look like he's mysterious and floaty. But in reality, <laughs> it's just you can literally see the string attached to him. <laughs> floating him across the thing like that a lot too i tell you what
1: it really took me a while to find out how to get over to that guy right? yeah the, it <laughs> yeah it doesn't really tell absolutely. it doesn't really tell you how to get over there it's yeah. just a little circle on the floor that you press the a the action button on mm. oh man like it took me a, a longer than i wanted to and then i had to like go for a youtube video because obviously that's all that's out there nowadays yes. it's just really really obtuse and i just thought oh they could have done something like maybe a little signpost saying you know frog fucius this way or something yeah, yeah. and Definitely until really until that. you
2: hit that button it's just that annoying whistling going on in the background too the music <laughs> doesn't actually kick in until you activate that tadpole bridge so the Ooh. first time i remember just sitting there just like walking around, like what am i supposed to do and in the background you hear it's like oh my god enough to drive you
0: mad <laughs> for a game that is as we've said pretty straightforward accessible easy family friendly there are a few bits i looked up to be honest, like uh, the there's this whole uh, section in one of the latter dungeons where you have to solve four out of six areas or yeah. something like that. Oh, yeah. One of them is, I mean, I just think it's a horrible design. It's a 3D cube yeah. where so you go into it and it's all isometric, of course. Oh, I gave up on that one. Yeah, Yeah, I totally did. Yeah, <laughs> I went it's, in and uh, I
3: ran around for a little while and went, nope. Out. It's
0: just there's no other than just pushing at various you know, push you're yeah. you're literally pushing a D pad while you're looking at a static screen. Uh just really not hoping very...
2: you see that screen shift just a little bit knowing that you've moved. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, And then twenty yeah, minutes that's... later or less, I yeah. should say probably, <laughs>
0: yeah. uh you find yourself popping back out at a path you've already been through three yeah, times exactly. and yeah, yeah, then you go on to the next one. There may have been some rewards in there. But yeah, a couple of mm-hmm. things like that, just uh slightly subpar design, I would have said, from both Square and Nintendo's perspective and from mid-90s games design. But yeah, yeah those are brief, brief moments. I think it was uh, one yeah. of those
2: things where they could set, like, hey, look at this. We, we made a 3D cube that's not actually 3D that you can kind of walk in and out of and that neat. And then like it was more, it was almost more of an exercise of like, hey, look at this thing we <laughs> yeah. can do versus, hey, is this a thing we should do? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm. Is this fun? Yeah. No, I don't think
0: so. <laughs> um, sorry, back to the characters just before we move on. Some of the enemies. So Smithy, really, you don't get any sense of I would say of what or who Smithy is just a kind of, I mean, as Leah says, actually thinking about it from the final fantasies, I did manage to play kind of traditional, although here, unlike some of those final fantasy games, it does actually tell you the name of the person and kind of what they're doing and why rather than the ha ha, here's the final boss. You never heard of him before. (laughs) And they've been pulling the strings all the way along. Um, so very hard to feel any. I didn't feel any sort of great fear or malice towards Smithy as a. I just you know it was just the the thing that you had to beat to clear the game.
3: Yeah,
2: I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, it's one of those things. I think the 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 gang members themselves have a lot of uh, personality and fun stuff to them, but you know, basically when when you take out Xor when you when you defeat the sword that came into the giant castle at the beginning of the game. That's when you really feel like that feels like where the game should end. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it that should that should have been the big bad. But like like many other JRPGs, we talked about this in in the Final Fantasy 8 podcast a lot. You know what I mean? Like, who's the bad guy now? Wait, who's the bad guy now? Like, you know, it just keeps like another layer reveals and another layer reveals. And the next thing you know, you're you're fighting someone that you really haven't interacted with at all during the main Part of the campaign, yeah, Eight and that just kind of thing, and, and five, yeah. five, yes, and yep. four, yep. <laughs> exactly. And in <laughs> fact,
0: the thing you end up fighting at the very, very end is this kind of mm, big creature with a transforming head, yeah, yep. uh, which is related to it's not actually Smithy anymore, is it? It's no, a... it's
2: um, it's uh, the thing that it's called, um, uh, <laughs> it is, I can't remember. Off the top of my head. You get, yeah, you get, you beat Smithy and you go into that back room and he transforms yeah. into kind of that celestial being and I can't, I can't think of the name of it yeah. right
0: now. But. It's, 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 it's traditional. Smithy so I suppose two, yes. more, uh, more striking in terms of character. And again, I kind of felt these ones came out of the blue, but towards the end, you suddenly find that Smithy's got a kind of gang of multicolored defenders called the Axum Rangers who are based on the, the super, is it super Saitan? Uh, the power rangers hmm. creatures uh, and they were quite entertaining for the kind of couple of battles that you you fight them in so it's one of those battles where you've got multiple enemies with each with different specialities and and strengths and weaknesses so that's a bit of a one of those puzzle fights where you have always to like that
3: always kill the, the healer
0: first always <laughs> kill the healer first a great was, um it's it's a you knock you. one Truth. of them
1: out that they say something like oh boss oh, this has happened to me and then he just like goes oh basically you're rubbish go away like i, I did enjoy the interactions between that lot because i think it's the red one in the middle or something yeah like that that's he seems to
2: be yeah <laughs> uh, yeah well, he seems to be yeah.
1: like just just furious at whether one of them's just dropped out and of course oh, yes are broken
3: uh, of course uh if, if when when you at, do as i say and kill the healer first uh, she tells you that her makeup is running. So, of course, I mean, yeah, cool. we're, we're, we're just completely on brand there.
0: Progressive mid nineties yeah. JRPG yeah. writing. Um, um, there
1: are some other strange characters in this game. You got Valentina, yeah, is a very lanky, weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, yeah, she's going to come up with she...
2: it. <laughs> I don't know, but th- there are some interesting animation choices during her fight. <gasps> I'll <laughs> leave it at that. But yeah, I posted
3: uh, I posted knife a video clip something? when I was doing that fight, and yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Knife guy. Yeah, knife there's guy. a boss. Yeah, guy. I think
1: he literally just yeah. has a knife yeah. and he kind of, it comes at
2: you. Yeah, like, he's juggling you know. the knives around and throws them at you.
0: Yeah, I, those, I really those, like... those are the moments that I, I was particularly thinking of in terms of the, they wouldn't allow these in the Mario universe mm. in 2020 where they did in 96 because yeah. things were less kind of rigid and strict and formed in that sense. The Wait.
3: sentient bow that, uh, <laughs> that shoots itself <laughs> oh. at you. Right. Yeah, that.
2: mm-hmm. that's good. Um, I like when the toadstool uh, mushroom kingdom gets taken over by the shy guys and the the main boss in that there's just a parade of shy guys coming out of the castle that you could just continue fighting if you want to You hop over them and it's just a another big sword but they decide to make him different by putting like a pirate bandana around his head like that was the only (laughs) thing they did to him I love that I love that choice I don't know why but it just seems like like we got to make this giant sword different than the other giant swords like I don't know put a red and white bandana on him cool all right sounds good. (laughs) Oh um, uh,
3: yeah, Speaking of uh, bandanas, we didn't talk about the fact that there is a shark with legs. Um, sort oh, of. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he he doesn't exactly have legs, but uh it, his it, legs. It's close. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. He's. I Foal quite legs.
3: like him. Uh, yeah. He becomes your buddy.
2: I yeah, really yeah. like that whole section under the water, the ghost pirate ship. I really think mm. that like it starts. I mean, when you just want to talk about like like creating environments in this game and making them uh, like different from one another. That that's one of the areas of the game where another thing that like maybe not wouldn't happen in nintendo like like you would have booze and things like that but at one point there's these gr- things literally called grim reapers coming at you with scythes and slicing yeah, you you know very like square it, yeah, yeah very square very kind of like grim and um and that big um skeleton figure who plays the elegy to put you to sleep he's cranking that large i mean r- literally terror like kind of terrifying yeah. character models yeah and as
1: someone who hasn't played JRPG's, you know, up to this point largely, like it just reminded me of like Tim Burton stuff. Yeah. Like it's mm. like Tim Burton got a hold of a Nintendo license, went, Yeah, what if you put a bunch of weird stuff in Mario? Yeah. Like yeah. some of the creatures that you fight in this game, I was like, I can't believe I'm fighting this ridiculous creature in a Mario game. It was utterly perplexing, but also just like fascinating. Yeah. Like Unbelievable! Like the amount of stuff you see, it's just like the, the um at the start of the game when you're chasing around that purple Yoshi thing with with teeth with that
2: top hat. Oh, Croco! Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: you, you have to run around and hide from him. Like it's just like it all seemed very bootleg. Like you have walked into ninety nine Piece Store and picked up a fake Mario set. You know what I mean? It was so <laughs> off kilter. Yeah, oh, it's very very bizarre stuff going on. Talking and, uh,
0: about off kilter, mm-hmm. we got to talk booster. Oh yes. <laughs> so booster, McGuire. booster for Smash. Yes, for a start. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> booster. So this game came out in 1996. It was being developed in 95. Pulp Fiction came out in 1994, and Booster's music is basically a sort of parody of the filthy saxophone music that plays when Butch and Marcellus are in the Gimp. Dungeon basement. Yeah, okay. So it's pretty like the the. That is the a very specific
3: there. reference, and not one that I got. And now that's all I'm going to hear. Thanks, Lee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely meant to be that, as far as I'm concerned. And Booster's kind of a he just comes across like a kind of a weirdo sleaze bag. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, You
1: you go to the tower and he's just peeking through the door and you think, have I just seen something (laughs) peeking through the door? And you get closer and he disappears and you walk away again and he he peeks through the door again. I was like, (laughs) that's got to be Wario, surely, because the eyes just give it away straight away. And yeah, when you actually see the reveal of Booster, like you've been chasing him all the way for this tower, and it's just—it's just in like the most ridiculous places possible. <laughs> he's always—you always feel like he's watching yeah. you at some point, it, which is quite impressive. Yeah, where.
2: it's like this—it's like this weird, like you know, Peeping Tom's dungeon that he's built. It definitely you know? is like that. And his—and his head is like ninety percent mouth. You know what I mean? So like, he opens <laughs> that mouth and leans back, and like it's—he's just such just, just a weird character. I love the Boosters Tower section. I mean, it's also great because that's where you end up getting. Bowser and 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 Peach. Mm-hmm. and Peach you and know, he's got Peach and then Bowser comes at the end to help break in the door and it's it's a really nice place where all the characters kind of converge but like the the setting around it is that he really just wants to marry uh Peach but it's just a fake wedding because he's essentially a kid who's playing with toys but he's also a grown man who wants to marry Peach it's this weird thing
0: he rides yeah. around on a little train yeah I it's, mean, it's
2: it's fascinating yeah. it's
0: fascinating I think on that brings us on to the the visuals talking about Booster's wait, design. Wait, no uh before before
3: we uh before we go away from from the characters i do have one one very important question uh that that i need to bring up where's luigi
0: he's in the end sequence yeah
3: that's a but but where has he been this entire time
0: cowardly you know Mm. famously he's been hiding
3: nobody even mentions him yeah, maybe he was paper
1: at this point and turned at a funny angle so he couldn't see him. He was just waiting. <laughs> he was there the whole time. His, he was yeah. just
0: yeah.
3: there the whole time.
1: Yeah, you just you'd Luigi. Him. Luigi awful.
3: was in us all along. Yes,
1: yes. yeah. The real. You know, I like it when he the, turns
0: man. up in the, the the end parade. It's like he's done nothing, and then he just turns up leading this really cute, charming 2D sprite parade at oh, the end of the game. I
1: love Super Nintendo end credits. Oh,
4: they're the yeah. Best, yeah. The, yeah.
1: the, everything about it, like the Mario Kart, the Super Mario World, like every oh, every time those music. The music plays and they all run along the screen and it's the whole cast. Like there's some absolute just ah oh, like spine tingling like charming moments and this game was no exception. Mm. I was like yes, this is the one of the best. Like the music, oh, utterly yeah, really brilliant.
0: That talk of boosters design does bring us on to talking a little bit more about the aesthetics and the visual design. So I think the thing that struck me most for years and years I was looking at the box art and some of the promotional renders for this game, and I had the fear for the in-game graphics because they used these very briefly popular mid-90s pre-rendered kind of weird-looking bulbous things, the kind of character designs that were seen in, these are slightly obscure references, but things like Baku Baku Animal and Mm. Pang 3, uh, it was an aesthetic that I was particularly unfond of. And I was concerned that in-game the visuals would, would have that, similar look but actually i think the character graphics in game even though they are these silicon graphics pre-rendered and isometric things i think we've already talked about some of the animations and stuff Uh, i think they're surprisingly more appealing however my overriding feeling with the graphics is though they are clearly quite sort of sophisticated and well drawn for super nintendo i think there's a real for me and again this is a totally subjective thing. There was a real lack of atmosphere with the game, which like that, although the game has a strong sense of fun, when I've, when I, when I, when I go back and play a lot of Super Nintendo stuff, it absolutely still reeks of atmosphere, Mm. thinking about Demon's Crest and Contra 3 and stuff like that. But for me, this particular way of doing graphics, the backgrounds and stuff, they don't, they don't really sell the environments to me. They look a bit artificial. Mm-hmm.
2: I think that's 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 completely fair, especially when you kind of look at like Donkey Kong Country, like the, mm. the most direct comparison you can make from that that style of graphics. I think Donkey Kong Country really benefited from being a 2D side scroller. Um because mm. you're kind of moving within that environment, like like the background just kind of has to be the walls almost, if you're gonna make a background of the of the 3D spaces, the isometric space you've you've made. And you kind of just come off with having like these vast areas of the screen that are either just black or like singular colored because they're not actually um, you're not actually anything in the environment because you're kind of looking at this isometric room, and so like the environments and the aesthetic just kind of because of that I think just falls a little bit flat. It, it, It there's less of a sense to make it feel like a truly lived in world and more just kind of yeah. like these little dioramas you're just kind of existing in the indoor yeah. environments are the only part where I th- think it succeeds like that ship we were talking about booster's tower but particularly right. when you're out in the overworld that makes sense. like the cliffs mm. and things like that they it does feel not drab but just kind of a little lifeless a little I don't know, just not, I don't want to say not believable because it's Super Mario RPG, but sure. you know what I mean.
0: Like, it, There's also a lack of environmental incidental animation yeah. and effects, which, and, and again, that's not just us being unfair on the Super Nintendo because plenty of Super Nintendo games did manage those things. And here it's, yeah, like you say, a little flat and lifeless in places.
1: Yeah, I think maybe for my own personal taste, if the game wasn't a dot-to-dot, you know, pick and choose on the world map where you want to go, if the game was more yeah. seamless in its... um transition between the areas you'd believe in the world a bit more and therefore the aesthetics would play even better but because you were coming back to a dot to dot map and you're like oh i'm going to choose the next bit it just felt like you were just just you know just jumping into a random place rather than you know like like link to the past for example a snares game where you go from top to bottom and it's completely different in terms of aesthetic but it works because it's a journey right and so if mario RPG did a similar thing or i'm guessing final fantasy 6 had a more open seamless world i'm I'm just pure speculation but it seemed like to me the bits that are in between the worlds yeah they could have used some more absolutely i think
0: the lack of overworld i mean there are actually there are There are overworld maps, but you could literally, you just like Donkey Kong Country, you select the next bit that you want to go to. Mm -hmm. Uh, If this, if they had, I don't know if Square ever had it in mind to do a Final Fantasy Star overworld, but maybe that was one of the things that they thought Western American gamers were struggling with. And so what, what people who had played Mario were used to based on, particularly on Super Mario Brothers 3 and Super Mario World was... I mean, Super Mario World, right, has as much of a of a open uh, an overworld map as this game does, arguably more so. Yeah, in that it's got that big, you know, big scrolling linked area, whereas this really, as you say, is just like point to point. And I was struck, Darren, when you were saying about that that although I think overall you enjoyed this game, the the aspect that perhaps let you down the most, in co- you know, in comparison to what you wanted from a Mario RPG, hmm. was a lack of sense of going on an adventure in the mushroom kingdom
1: yeah definitely it just felt like just vignettes of mario rpg because like you know you play i've played mario and luigi at this point so like you were trekking around a mushroom kingdom or a bean kingdom or some sort of a kingdom Mm -hmm. so yeah and i understand this game's like you know 20 years 20 plus years old now and it's just like okay i understand the limitations of the hardware but i've also seen snes games do like you say atmosphere better and overworld's better it just Mm -hmm. seemed a bit of a missed opportunity
0: another thing that has to cement us in the world of course is the audio i think one of the things let's talk sound effects sound design before we talk about music the the fact that as you would hope and of course where well, you would you would assume that many of the classic mario sound effects would be in there and some of the tunes as well which we'll come on to they are all in there but they seem to have been given a slight treatment to make them fit more it, it doesn't sound like they've literally just mined the Nintendo sound library it sounds mm. like they've put everything through some kind of square soft filter so in particular <laughs> yeah. i know you were you were uh, particularly dismayed about yoshi's noise in this game oh, I, all,
1: all I, of the yoshis <laughs> on that island just sound ridiculous i can't even remember yes. what the
3: noise was now but i'm like no well it's the
0: classic yoshi noise but it as i said it sounds like it's gone through some sort of treatment box to make it sound slightly
3: nintendo handed over the sound files they just didn't hand over the correct sound files they're yeah, all something little... like that. A little distorted
0: um, i think for the most part is it's all good but the the sound that stick with me as with many of the the more uh square jrpgs their, their own ones is the the sounds of uh, the sounds of battle the impact sounds yeah i think they did a good job here of taking the cuter universe but still giving the the battles that sort of very responsive um clicky clashy
2: yeah so like when you're you're taking a hammer to an enemy's head, mm. like it doesn't mm. make the dull wet thunk if you actually hit another per- thing with a hammer, right? <laughs> I mean, you I know? wouldn't know, bro. Oh, so. I mean, I mean, uh, you guys, I'm, <laughs> I am American. I, I have I, their violence runs <laughs> in my veins, but um, no, um, in in reality though, like when when Mario when you do that double Mario tech, it's like hitting a wooden block, you know that like, yeah. bunk, and then and it has very musical intonations, or like when he's kicking the Koopa shell, versus, oh, and even yeah. like Gino's like rapid fire pellet shot, and and Bowser's claw, like they like bowser's claw his double claw attack like it almost it's like you know really satisfyingly like shredding open like a like a paper present or something yeah you know what not I mean? someone's face exactly yeah yeah not the horrible horrifying sound that it would make in real life no but it does you're right the combat sounds do kind of i want
0: to play this version of the game <laughs> yeah God. yeah the
2: uh the x-men origins wolverine game version snuff of super,
0: <laughs> mario. <laughs> super mario snuff rpg yeah.
1: i I've, I've recalled what i um, what I said about Yoshi's noise sounding like, and it sounds—I said it sounds like a, a baby's wet fart noise. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, um, yeah. Hold on, <laughs> that was it. That's just like that is just awful. That is just like that's not a Yoshi noise. That's just completely ridiculous. And yeah, uh, yeah maybe
0: I, that I... was the start of the transition between the traditional Super Nintendo Yoshi noise and the the cutesy squeaky voices that we ended up with later what? in the. Uh in the life of oh, the, Yoshi. the
1: evolution of Yoshi. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, anything else to be said on the 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 sound design? Obviously stuff like trying to uh, um chain those jumps together that I was talking about earlier, you get the nice the rising sound effect followed by ultimately you get the the one up noise when you when you continue mm. to do it which just has the because we we all know what it represents. We all even though it's not one ups here, it's extra damage, so it has that nice Pavlovian Yeah. Response to it. I think there's um, a. I think
2: the. I think the overworld jump noise is very satisfying. It's a nice mm. upward boing. Like I think. A, I. I don't know why that stuck with noise. me, but yeah, that. Yeah. Sometimes yep. it just there's you do those things where you have to jump a certain amount of times in a row, or like jump to you know impress somebody, or you know because everybody's always suggesting that Mario can't be Mario because he's too short and too fat to jump that high, and then he has to prove to them by jumping so high. And i like that Yeah, I like that sound
0: a lot.
3: Very
2: crisp slaps from Peach. <laughs> yes.
0: Good. Yeah. Yes,
2: Only the Christmas slaps
0: <laughs> Which maybe they do sound like real life slaps Again, hard to say Depending on what you're slapping And with what <laughs> And how hard
1: We're uh, huh. we talking about beating the Boshi again yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to uh, Yoko Shimomura and her audio So uh, I think we uh, Probably Koji Kondo should also get a credit Because there are absolutely some yeah. Classic Mario mm-hmm. tunes in there as well But rearranged by Yoko Shimomura but I know that we've had a number of requests, we played it once or twice on Sound of Play but the the Mushroom Forest or whatever it's called, uh, people love that tune but for me my two absolute favourite pieces of music in this game by far are the mini boss and main boss themes, I think those are so much fun, just like really great rhythms, grooves, they're kind of the, the the only thing is I wish they were a bit longer because they loop quite quickly, mm. but uh, and that's probably true of most of the music in the game. I think there's about 60 odd tracks and yeah. obviously we're, I don't know what I don't didn't actually look up what megabit the cartridge is. But uh, as always, they were fighting with space. But I love those boss tunes in this game. But there's 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 a, a bunch of other fun stuff as well. Some of it, I think, is a little bland and forgettable, but there's some some real gems in there, I think.
3: Something that struck me very much about this, uh, playing through this time, was how much this sounds like the Kingdom Hearts soundtrack. Yeah, it really okay. does. It really does. Uh, yeah, and, and I mean, obviously that is because it's Yoko Shimomura, but uh, yeah, I, I just, for some reason, I don't. I, it just never clicked really any other time that I played it. Maybe it, just the timing thing, but yeah, I was listening to it this time. Uh, as I was playing, and it, that really, that connection really
2: hit for me. Yeah, you can hear like that the the Traverse Town theme, yeah. Like and like as you know, the 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 seeds of that definitely are in Sumer mm-hmm. RPG. And for I know sure. this is probably unfair. I'm not sure why. Um, I I love this soundtrack. It's one. Of, it's up there with one of my favorite ones. I always have it downloaded on my phone to listen to. Um, a lot of that is nostalgia, obviously, like I said before. But yo yeah. Yokoshimamura y- 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 is just like I mean. It always kind of annoys me and I'm not sure why that like when people talk about legendary game composers the first names that come to mind are always Koji Kondo and Nobuo Uematsu which are uh, obviously earned but she she is for me she is right there with her. 100% I mean, it's agree just, it's just her absolutely those I mean and not just this and I'm gonna I'm not gonna try to go off on too much of a tangent about her but like like between the, the songs from this game that I heard but I mean you think about all those Street Fighter two stage music everything I, know, I mean right? it's just like it's unbelievable that her The breadth and the quality of her work and the length of her career and how involved she still is in her composition is just I just, I'm consistently amazed by the work she turns out. And I just, and this just, to me, it doesn't, how do you make a battle theme that it's that repetitive that you're going to hear it a million times throughout Mm -hmm. the game, but also it's a Mario battle theme. So it has to be an upbeat. It can't be like a, you know, it can't be, it has to be a whimsical battle theme, not like Mm -hmm. an ass kicking battle theme for lack of a Mm -hmm. better term, you know, and she just does it in such a, and I just the the jilt and the playfulness the soundtrack has is just, I just don't think you you hear it much because there's not many opportunities for that. Games are either they're very serious or they're very dramatic and very this and this game is just pure fantastic whimsy and I think she executes it just you know knocks it out of the park across the board.
0: It also gives it a nice connectivity. Having I've played some of the Mario and Luigi games that came after this, and although that as we've discussed there by Alpha Dream they're not. SquareSoft, but she was the continuing line, so mm. that even the, as well as some of the gameplay elements, such as the timing of the hammer hits and all that kind of stuff, mm. her music is another thing that, even though the games look very different and feel a bit different, the music connects them. So that's a nice yeah.
1: thing. whenever I finished a battle in Super Mario RPG, the music I can hear it in my head now, the way it all kind of rolls together. I pictured the little Luigi sprite from Mario and Luigi dancing, you know, when they level up and they start dancing. Yeah. Yeah. That that was in my mind when I was hearing the Super Mario RPG music. And it, yeah, it really helped kind of during the slower moments of this game. It definitely, because the the pacing in this game is just all over the place. And so during the slower moments, like the, the music definitely helped me and the, the nods towards the Mario and Luigi soundtracks. Like it definitely helped me go through some of the, uh, the muddier um, parts of this game.
0: Mm. Blue Weasel Breath from the forum says, I first picked up Super Mario RPG in a video rental shop shortly after it had been released. I took it home and was hooked. The visuals were, at the time, cutting edge for the SNES and the Yoko Shimamura soundtrack was and remains brilliant from top to bottom. I think what captivated me most was the ability to really explore Mario's world for the first time. I'd been a massive fan of both Zelda and Mario since the NES games and while I always preferred the exploratory gameplay of the Zelda series, I always found the Mario universe to be more interesting. Finally, here was a game that would let me delve into Mario's universe in a deeper way, interacting with the familiar characters, making new friends and walking around locales. Getting to team up with Bowser against a common foe was unexpected and I loved it. I played the game for the whole weekend obsessively until it was due back at the store. I believe I got stuck on the super tough optional fight with Jinx, unwilling to continue until I had beaten him. Then later bought a guidebook I saw in Barnes and Noble, chock full of images of those beautiful character models before they were scanned in and pixelated, and pored over it for months until I was able to rent the game again and complete it. I've gone back to it a few times since and loved it all over again. I don't believe I ever owned it, but I recall emulating it in my college days. Whether it's due to nostalgic fondness or what, I don't think the graphics have aged as badly as I've heard others express. I find the game much easier to look at than polygon graphics from the 32 and 64 bit eras. Yeah. Uh, but in my dreams, the original toy-like character models would have been retained and the game would be remastered and re-released in a high-res Switch version that would end up looking a lot like the recent Link's Awakening. For years, I thought I had sold the guidebook in my college days, but have just come across uh, just come across it in a box of my old books in my parents' house, much to my delight. Super Mario RPG is my favourite game. From my favorite game system making it one of my favorites of all time and one that i'll always remember fondly warmly even nice thank you blue weasel breath uh, we've talked about the point-to-point area map uh, i'm not sure what else we need to say about the basic walking around the towns uh, anyone who's ever played a square jrpg there's a shop and an armoury in most of (laughs) the towns And and (laughs) and an inn and each time you go to a new town there'll be probably some new items and the costs will go up a bit give or take there are some exceptions to this because that the the absolutely straight progression would be a little too predictable and boring so there's always like there's always one town where the inn costs three times as much and there's always one place that you can stay for free and there's always one place that has a weapon that you can't get anywhere else that appears useless but is actually really useful if you know what to do with it, etc, etc, etc.
1: I did appreciate Mario's faster walk like he was in London. Oh, like the, I didn't the, know there was a run
0: button for the first three or four hours of me playing yeah, the, game. Old, the old
1: city walk was pretty um, handy. I was like, well, uh, yeah, there he goes. Yep, he's on, a, he's on his power walk. Good, good, good. I'm happy with that. Oh,
4: yeah,
0: I, I thought, oh, this is going to be quite slow then. Uh, but I'm going to just think, oh, it's a leisurely game. And then I realized it has the exact same dash run button as the Mario Brothers games, Super Mario <laughs> Brothers. So that was quite nice. So, yeah, um, I don't know what people want to say about the gameplay because we're with, with short of just saying it's like a square JRPG, but with Mario, um, they're well, I think a we've already, yeah, I, mean, yeah I think we've yeah, already talked, talked about a lot
3: of it. It's um, with... The biggest thing that is different is, uh, as, as we've kind of alluded to, the, the timing-based uh, prompts that you – well, you don't even get the prompts. You just – you uh, I, I don't even recall. Uh, how, do, how do they introduce that to you? Is there kind of – there is kind of a, a tutorial – yeah, think. says
2: something. Yeah, don't. I think Toad <laughs> I actually think. comes on screen and says, "Do you want to learn how to fight?" Or, or no, That's and right. you can choose like, "Yep, I do," or "Nope, I know, I know, I've I've done this before," or something. And mm. and so yeah. there is a quick tutorial at the beginning, and but it only shows you at the once. It doesn't show you kind of how to do it mm. with each weapon and character. You got to no. kind of try. You got to kind of trial
0: puzzle it out, and figure yeah. it out. Like and they're all are
3: spells so. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a little it's, bit um, of trial and error there.
2: Yeah,
0: I suppose another element that is different to perhaps not every other JRPG, but in its, it's a slight departure, is that your characters share an ability points pool of what they're called flower points.
1: Oh, yeah. That took me ages to work that out. I was like, oh, I'm mm. suddenly out of FPs or whatever. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah. it's it slowly dawned on me that you share them between the party. Mm. And also, um, I, I, it seemed randomly that I was just getting a complete maximised boost from it. Like I don't know if one leveled up and therefore the whole thing got boosted to max, or I just had some fights with some um, just some enemies or bosses, and then after that, yeah. like regardless of whether you leveled up or not, you were just fully maxed out. And I'm thinking, what are the rules here? I don't understand. Mm.
0: Yeah, there are some items and some random lucky moments where you get a. I think if you do particularly well, or you're over. I think if it dis, if it detects that you're overpowered for a particular group of enemies, you're more likely to get a an item pop out of them as they die which can then give you another go or yeah, get the uh, lucky. L- yeah so you then you sometimes you can pretty much clear an entire group of enemies with one character because you you smash them and then you get the the thing pops out which says another go or whatever it try again once again one, once, once more again. Once, yeah, again. once again there yeah. we go You're and kind of
1: yeah. mini game at the end where you have to yeah. guess where yoshi is
0: hmm. oh yeah that was a little that was i found that a little irritating it i popping think that up. cheated
3: yes <laughs> yeah
0: yeah I managed to get it a few times but the rewards weren't worth it i suppose some of the there are some hidden items actually in the overworld that add to your flower pool your yeah. your ability items some, flower jar can...
2: flower petal yeah yeah so they will they'll add to your your max will go up one or two or whatever hmm
0: uh, and as, again, is a tradition of the Final Fantasy games, every character has an ultimate weapon. And unusually, I actually managed to get some of these in this game. So there's some little side quests, mini quests, such as uh, taking some items that you get from talking to certain people to certain other people, a bit yeah. a bit like the trading quest in uh, traditional Zeldas, but slightly different. So I think one of them was it: you take some earth and a seed and... That's right. Something yep. and a, uh, to a guy with a flower pot, and you grow a big beanstalk, and you climb up there, and you yep. get—is it Mario's best yeah, the, hammer the, or something?
2: The hammer. Um, yeah. The name of it. Yeah. the The, the ultimate hammer. Uh, it's not what it's called, but yeah.
0: Some of them are better. <laughs> some of them. Some of the quests are easier than others to to pursue, and some of the. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, having one or two of them in your final party makes the the final bosses considerably easier. And I would say again, having played some of the Final Fantasies most of these quests for the ultimate weapons were a little bit less obscure. They were designed to be maybe found, rather than only found by people who bought the strategy guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, frog coins? Yeah. A separate currency?
2: I Yeah, the yeah, the green ones. You, that's It's the the reason you chase down Crocco at the beginning of the game, because he stole Merrill's frog coin. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had to that's go true. find him. Uh, yeah, they're the green ones. You can actually, there's a frog coin shop in the seaside town um, yeah. that opens up that has like a some some of the best badges in the game. Um, That's it. The, badges. Uh, XP the XP booster. Um, it also has one where you can um uh, like multiple weapons equipped, and there's something else too there. Um, the 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 accessory badges. I I did the Midas River course over and over and over again to get frog coins to get the XP oh, booster. Really? And then I did oh. it again because I wanted to get another one for my um for the rest of my party. And after I did it and spent another three or four hours just doing the Midas River course. Found out that you can only equip one XP booster on one character at one time. So it was pretty pretty frustrating <laughs> moment of my first playthrough of the game. But but yeah, the um frog coins can be used at that shop for some interesting items. Uh normally just ways to kinda change or, or to boost um kind of gameplay. With with the characters maxing out at level thirty anyway, it it doesn't really take that long to to max out if you want to, especially if you end up getting one of
0: those. Yeah, that's a good good point worth mentioning yeah and the accessory badges are again another item that i think of it persisted onto both the series that spun off from this game yeah
1: yeah sounds about right i mean paper mario in the last two iterations don't tend to have those kind of badges in the same way it relies on stickers and stuff like that but yeah Yeah. similar kind of concept i guess yeah Mm. it rolled over i
2: think right through a thousand year door and then they kind of when they got to super paper mario i think it kind of switched up but that's for another time but yeah was anyone else
1: just randomly jumping around the world maps to find hidden chests as well absolutely sometimes
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: some of them are pretty devious because there's one where an enemy an npc kind of when you're being the gold statue type thing and you have to hide away from the other cat i can't remember the character's name but you're hiding from a character by standing mm-hmm. still as a statue and that character runs outside into the skybox and comes back into the um oh yeah yeah the, and you can actually go there yourself and there's yes. like a tr- hidden treasure chest out in that area i thought that was fascinating that you could a you could see an NPC go outside the world into the void and come back in again, mm. and also you could do the same thing. Yeah, it's quite a nice. I, I love when games have a bit of like. I have a like that.
0: feeling that, and of course, there's a Mario precedent with that going all the way back to Super Mario Brothers, jumping into the status part bar and finding the right, warp yeah. zone. So mm-hmm. it's sort of there's a there's a connection there and a logic. I think at least one of the there's an ultimate armor set you can get, which I which makes which I can't remember what it's called, like something shell but it makes you almost invincible right towards even up towards the end of the game Mm. like people can't take off more than like one to eleven damage off you or whatever and i think one of those involved going either across an invisible path or outside the map or something like that but again i found it rather than reading about it which was sort of neat and satisfying the fact that Mm. it gave me enough clues to kind of look beyond what the the most obvious path was and whatever mm-hmm. which is a very again a very mario thing that's how the 2d platformer level design works and 3d yeah you the get that kind of the clues you
2: get that super suit the one you're talking about um that's the one is uh it, that well there's a couple of them the uh, you get yes. in um uh, by doing a hundred of those super jumps in a row you do 100 of those, and that's how you get the best armor in the game. I did not know that. I'm looking that up. Um, oh, I don't think yeah. I did that. No, me either. And then there, the, the, you, the, la- the lazy shells, the one you're talking about, is where you climb, up the, climb up the seed and uh, climb up the beanstalk, excuse me, in Rosetown. Okay. Rosetown oh, also has Thank a you. really good hidden chest one, like Darren was talking about, and it made me question my entire <laughs> playthrough of the game my first time, is that yeah? I found one of those hidden chests, and I jumped up and I hit him. I'm like, oh, cool, but it was just a coin. There was a box next to it, so I got on the box, I jumped on the chest, and there was another hidden chest above the hidden chest, and I was like, what? I I gotta go back, I gotta (laughs) look at every single one of these things. Yeah, Yeah, there was one
0: inside, is it, hmm, I can't remember which of the, it's in one of the kind of castle-y buildings, where rather than going through the door, you have to jump over the door, and again, it almost feels like you're breaking out of the game, even though it's clearly designed to be there, and there's a chest over Again, kind of almost outside the play area. Right. So well, they tell you,
3: like don't that. they? Somewhere you you can find out how many of the hidden chests out of You're a right. maximum yeah. number. Is is it the guys in the in the cave that tell you that, that or right. I yeah. yes, yeah, something yeah. like that?
0: Mm. And the game's very. We should say talking about the sort of the difficulty or the lack thereof and the accessibility. There's obviously if you've got it on. Uh, the SNES mini you can do save states and rewinds and whatever else and i really didn't abuse that those in these game this game whatsoever just didn't need to but there are plenty of save blocks but they tend to put save blocks and shops and uh, you know places to rest and recuperate right before boss fights so you, mm. even if you do get wiped which i think i may have only done once or twice in the entire playthrough uh, you won't have to go back very yeah. far.
2: I remember my first playthrough not having any played any RPGs before, I really struggled with the Axum Rangers because I wasn't taking out the healer first like Leah talked about before, and then now, <laughs> going back to it now, like you go in that fight, we're like, well of course I gotta take out the healer first you know what I mean? But it's, yep. that's, that's just years of conditioning less than, uh, but the first time through, a couple of those fights I remember one of the Bellome fights. You fight him twice. One of those uh, mm. threw me cuz he would suck a party member into his mouth and I think oh yeah. I think when mm. he took Mario, everybody else was a little under so I struggled with that a little bit. What do we do? And then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so um but yeah, no but for the most part still not exactly. You're not you're not not controller breaking type of difficulty for sure. I had a Pretty little much. bit
3: of trouble with the final boss because one of his iterations has an attack that can just one-hit you. Uh, yeah, and I he, I think he head, ended right, up, yeah. Mm. yeah, he ended well, I think he ended up killing my healer when I was out of, uh, I was actually out of, uh, Phoenix Downs. That's not what they are in this game. <laughs> yeah, what are they in this? Um,
0: something mushrooms. Oh, what somewhere? are they? That, uh, why gonna, am I blanking ups, on this? Pick me ups? Pick, pick me, me ups, up, yeah. yes,
3: yes. Um, Whatever they are. i I believe I had just used, I was like right at the end of the fight and had used my last one of those, and he,
0: why aren't
2: they one, one up mushrooms? That's a very um, good question. Yeah, no idea. That is a
3: good question. They are in the uh, in the Mario and Luigi games. The little, and I think the Paper Mario games too, although I won't swear to that. The little, the little mm.
2: icon for it is like this little like milkshakey looking thing. He just mm, throws it up right. in the air and then it and then, like, gets out sparkles and then you come back from the dead. You know, just like real life.
0: And maybe it's one of those weird, maybe that was a weird stipulation from Miyamoto or something, just saying you do not use one-up mushrooms to come back <laughs> yeah. to life in no, this game. That, no, that is, you're no horse not riding,
2: no swords, no one-ups. <laughs> Other than that, everything else is good. <laughs> Uh,
3: but yeah, I, I I did use the uh, to shame on me. I used the uh, the um, save state or rewind, I guess, for the uh, for oh, that last fight. Oh, no, not shame
2: on uh, you. Life's too short for no, that stuff.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. No, it's um uh, yes, we never never shame anyone. Uh, some games you do it, some games you don't. Sometimes mostly, mostly wanna... being
3: prestigious there, but yeah, I, as I say, it, it is not a an especially difficult game. And even if I hadn't done that, I would not have had to go back very far. So. Mm.
0: I pre- and also, you know, you've you've earned it by we were just talking about the take the healer out first. That's pretty much whenever I go into a fight in any genre of game now, I hear Leah's Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> style disembodied voice. Yeah. Kill take the out healer. The- <laughs> yeah, like that. Uh, and doing the Resident Evil Leon thing as well. <laughs> first
3: my 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 voice is a little a little wrecked no, or, not, I would, yeah, or I don't. would demonstrate. we say we'll save, we'll but, save uh, it
0: we'll save yes. it for a, a future show <laughs> um when we cover Resident Evil 4 for the third time yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, and of course well I say of course but it, again it's kind of a tradition but I think they kind of went for it a bit in this one because to, so to have mini games and diversions is pretty normal for a square JRPG even by this stage to have mini games in a Mario game is normal thinking about Going to mushroom, you know, toad houses and all that kind of thing, and shuffling cards and picking cards in all the other Mario games. So it made sense to have a whole bunch of extra games uh, and diversions. Brian, you said you did the Midas River course a oh, bunch God.
2: over and over and uh, over again. Yeah. I
0: didn't do any of these more than I possibly had to because I didn't. <laughs> I didn't like any of them. No, I didn't
2: not, really either. They're not great. It's kind of like it's like a neat breakup from different things, but like. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely the Midas River one was the one I did the most strictly to farm the, the frog coins, but I really kind of only did that my <laughs> first couple times through and, and second times around, you know, didn't really bother with it at all. Um, it, there are some items you can get. You get some good, um, um, you know, you can get a lot of different other uh, to increase your FPs, you know, to um, just like healing yeah. items and stuff, but none of it's necessary at all, which I mean, I guess that makes it a mini game, but um, but yeah, that's not. Uh, the Mushroom Derby one particularly dr- drove me insane um, a number of times, uh, and you know there's a, there's a lot of different uh, ones. But but again, it's like it's, what, what's that um, Yoko Taro quote? You know, um, all JRPGs must have fishing in them. I think was his quote that he said. <laughs> and this kind of feels like this. Like at the time, it wasn't fishing, but all JRPGs must have yeah. some uh, suite of like poor, you know, poorly executed, you know, <laughs> inspired distraction. Minigames. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: The commitment to the minecart level in this where you've actually got oh, both the yeah. Mode 7 game and a Donkey Kong Country-style side-on minecart. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Didn't need it, really, yeah, uh, personally speaking. I, I didn't unlock the shoot 'em up style one, Beatlemania. That's my only frustration because I possibly would have enjoyed that the most. But you had to do something to get it. It wasn't just part of the, yeah, no, the game. Was, most of them you have to yeah. do once in simple form, but that one you actually have to pursue. Cameos, Easter eggs, and secrets. This game is full of them. Blue Weasel Breath says the game seemed impossibly jam packed with secrets and Easter eggs, and its interactive turn based combat set a pretty high bar for my expectations of JRPG systems, as it was one of the first games of this type I'd spent any real time with. The system instilled in me a habit of superstitiously pressing the command button right before my character attacks in other JRPGs in the vain hope of causing extra damage, and I still catch myself. Doing this from time to time. Oh, that's awesome. Shame it doesn't. Shame it doesn't. Yeah. But yes, we've got uh, we've got cameos from an eight bit style Super Mario. You jump behind mm. a curtain and you pop out, and he oh. wears uh, he wears his pixels and the yep. music, the traditional music or a rem- slight remix plays. You find a Link sleeping in a bed. You find a Samus in another building somewhere. Uh, there's uh, uh, toys from F Zero ships from that mm-hmm. or craft mm-hmm. from that game yep. and an Arwing wing craft as well. Uh Luigi, as we said, is only featured. Uh one of the the wishes at Star Hill is yeah. clearly his and he's at the end.
2: It says something too like wanting to be more like his big bro or something.
0: It's very <laughs> yeah, right. it's very
2: traditional ah Luigi. <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely.
0: Um probably the biggest secret in the game is the most Final Fantasy thing in the game, perhaps. Culex. He is the boss or he or she or it is the boss behind the sealed door in Monstro town. The music in the background during this sequence is from the Final Fantasy games. Furthermore, Culex fights with four crystals a major Final Fantasy feature. Did
2: uh, any of you guys fight Culex during your playthrough? No. no. Yeah, no. it's a it's a hard it's a hard fight. Um nothing undoable, but um definitely oh gosh, one of one l- I'm,
3: I'm looking at a uh, at a screenshot of it right now. That yeah. is a
4: that a is a Final, Final Fantasy boss. Yes, right it there. is. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
2: Um. That the I I did it. You, you really kind of need everybody to be at level thirty. And but but there's not much strategy to it. It's Just gonna have enough healing items Stay and keep alive. your healer alive. Yeah. Exactly. Okay.
0: Yeah. What's the reward for Kulex? I don't even Kenny? remember to be honest with you. Um. It's. <laughs> the, it, I don't think it's anything
2: joy. necessarily. Mm. Um. Yeah. I don't think it's anything huge.
0: Um, Just see. satisfaction of having done everything Absolute. in the game.
2: The Quartz Charm is what you win from Culex. The Quartz Charm. Um, it, then it's... Let's uh, see here. I completely forgot that this existed. Um huh. Yeah, you deal 50% more power and more damage and take 50% less damage. With yeah, that that's charm, pretty good. So, yeah, you're very but
3: I guess so. I, in the grand tradition point, of Final Fantasy, if you can do that, if you can fight that uh, boss and get that it, charm, yeah. then you probably don't need it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> One day someone will explain to me adequately what is the point. Yeah. <laughs> because
3: <laughs> Final Fantasy. Yeah. Come on.
0: Yeah. Good answer. Magical Isopod from the forum says, "In the late '90s, my brother and I rented this. I should mention before I continue with Magical Isopod's post." You mentioned renting it. Two of our correspondents have mentioned renting it. I believe the RRP for this cart in America was seventy five dollars. Yeah, yep. Hence. It
3: was definitely more than a yeah. standard.
4: Yeah, would have standard. It, yeah,
2: the, the, I think the only cart that, that got higher um, at retail was the original Mortal Kombat was an eighty dollars cart in uh-huh. America at the time. I know I spent a, some a lot of allowance money on it, um, but uh, mm. but yeah, I think this was one of the higher ones. Uh, you know, next down so.
0: A lot of money in 1996 yeah. for a child. So yes, Magical MagicWise paused. Uh, I rented this, expecting something more akin to Super Mario World. If I remember correctly, we couldn't figure out how to get past the intro area of the game and just dropped it. Years later, now coming to understand what an RPG is, I've tried to play Super Mario. I tried to play Super Mario RPG, and truthfully, I still keep bouncing off it. The story's cute and simplistic, and that's probably part of the charm for a lot of people. But for me, it's just not enough to hook my interest. And the gameplay is pretty basic. Geno for Smash, though. that would be all right. I and Dark I Ares. <laughs> <laughs> More to come. Dark Ares uh, is saying, I never had a SNES and played this through 3DS emulation. I think that must have been illicit emulation because I don't <laughs> think they released it on the... Actually that VC? might have been
3: one of those um, 3
0: Oh what's it called
3: um the, the new the the 3DS Ambassador? Yeah. Well no the ambassador thing. No uh, it wasn't an ambassador no, thing. it was yeah. not well, it was only uh, GBA
0: okay. stuff and yeah, NES like. <laughs> stuff wasn't it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not i 100% oh. certain. I don't think it did come to the 3DS shop. But it's okay. I'm not calling dark Aries out. You, you play it how you play it but anyway, uh, it feels it just uh, feels like it suits a handheld device well mm. as a consumer of JRPGs there Are some things that the game does well the ability to increase damage to foes and decrease damage to yourself through button presses, overworld sprites to determine battles, and a manageable inventory yeah, really small inventory, actually. Yeah. I would say, uh, which is sometimes can catch you out. You can't just have 99 of every item in the game or whatever. You actually sometimes you actually have to think, I could do with more uh, pick me ups than say potions yeah or yeah 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 whatever in this in this game uh continuing dark airy says perhaps because i played it 14 years after release the humor party members and character development fell flat with a 20 hour completion time this definitely falls in the higher end of rpgs for me and spawned a series that i also enjoy the mario and luigi rpg series yes currently i should say we've only got the paper mario podcast planned but that doesn't mean we won't either Either or continue with that series with the Thousand Year Door and beyond, possibly, or start with Superstar Saga. And of course, that had a remake as well. Mm-hmm. So but, did, um,
1: um Bowser's Inside Story as well. Yes,
0: yeah. yeah. But they missed out uh, su- uh, Partners in Time, Partners didn't they? In time, the remake. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
0: Anyway, we shall see someday. Uh, no rules in, no rules out. At this stage, we also have a little clutch of three-word reviews. For Super Mario RPG Thanks everyone Follow us on Twitter At Kane and Rince Lunar Looney Says Mario punches people
1: Uh, Harold Bolzania Says Kulex
0: Battle Sucks Oh Sucks
3: Hissy Kiss Says More Bowser games
0: Bad T Z M Z O Says Ugly But great Cuddy 1427 Says Really Pleasurable Game
1: Bearfish Pie Super Squario Brothers Squario.
0: (laughs) Squario. Squario.
3: Tibble in Bits and Left Behind Club both say Geno for Smash.
0: Keep dreaming. Geno for Smash fans. (laughs) I still say Mallow and Booster for Smash. Correct. Maybe, maybe the last six that they've announced are happening will all be Super Mario RPG characters.
2: (laughs) I'd buy that Battle Pass. (laughs) Maybe.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, that's been Super Mario RPG, but we need to summarise and consider our overall opinions about this curious game. Let's start with Darren Gargett.
1: So yeah, as a fan of Paper Mario for the most part, and uh, Mario Luigi for, again, pretty much all of it, yeah, I was really kind of more curiously enthused to play this game. For this podcast rather than actually wanting to play in it for any other reason. And I'm glad I did. I, I got, you know, I found a certain rhythm with it of, of a night time. It was one of those games that I could play like, you know, at 8 p.m. I've got nothing in me left after being dad. So I'm just like, oh, I can't do anything game wise. But Mario Super Mario RPG just it pleasantly ticked along without a lot of effort and input from me. And I appreciated that. But also, you know, as someone who has enjoyed the, uh, the RPGs with Mario's in, I found it quite... A bit too disjointed and uh, tame is probably the right right word. Ah, uh, yeah, so, something along those lines. I didn't find it that engaging overall, but I'm glad I definitely saw it through. You know, visually, it it reminded me of games of the '90s. Uh, like I said, little, little big adventure definitely sprung to mind. And uh, you know, I I I'm not really going to come back to this game with any fondness, unfortunately. But you know, I'm glad it exists. And um, yeah, I'm I, I've always had it in the back of my mind as I remember I remember seeing it in magazines before the N sixty four, maybe on Games Master. I saw it somewhere and I went, that looks fascinating. They've turned Mario onto a forty-five degree angle, so to speak. And uh yeah, I'm, I'm glad I've actually seen it through to the end. Um but uh would I recommend it in twenty twenty? Uh probably again more of a curio rather than a um an enjoyable experience. Hmm.
4: Hmm.
0: Thanks, Darren. Yeah, similar in that I wouldn't say that I've come away from the game feeling I certainly you know, I haven't got the same level of affection for Super Mario RPG as Brian has, for example. It was always unlikely that would be the case. I remember I remember it appearing in Superplay magazine, which was coming towards its end as this game came out, as the N64 was on the way. And what you folks, particularly in the USA, need to understand and people who weren't around at the time, that it was pretty normal. For us to see really cool games that were coming, that were Japanese, but and that were coming out in America and that we just were not going to get. Doesn't mean it wasn't frustrating. And there was always this thought, and I guess I'm still having this thought all these years later. I wish I had a US NTSC or a NTSC multi region enabled Super Nintendo so I could play some of these things, but it was expensive to get it sorted, and it was expensive to buy the cartridges. So, really, up until. Yeah, so for 12 years after that, we just couldn't get it, and I guess I just mainly put it out of mind. I was too busy playing even more amazing-looking square RPGs on PlayStation and PlayStation 2 and stuff, so it finally came to Virtual Console and I bought it and then traditionally, promptly didn't play it. Um, But that said, I was glad they included it on the SNES Classic Mini. Made a lot of sense to include that on the, the version that even the the one that comes out over here which is of course a different console to the the American SNES Classic. Uh, it's designed after the the power one, but yet they included games like this in their US guys NTSC 60 Hz goodness and so yeah, it was a perfect time to finally get around to playing it and I'm glad Brian nominated for the volume. It was it's really interesting to see this game that was kind of a one and done but also at the same time inspired not one but two other spin-off series spiritual successors, if you will in the Paper Mario and Mario and Luigi series both of which I have played some games of and have affection for I love some features about this or some elements some of the tunes some of the characters but overall it was just a fine fun gently pleasant time Uh, I would say if it does come to Switch SNES online give it a go if you've got a SNES Mini and you haven't looked at it, give it a go. But I wouldn't necessarily say go out of your way to absolutely seek out this uh, must-play example of the genre, unless you're a Super Mario or a Square completist, in which case you probably should. <laughs> Leah?
4: Yeah,
3: so I um, don't have the kind of nostalgia for uh, Super Mario RPG that I probably would if I had played it uh when it first came out but being a as leon alluded to square square completionist pretty much um I I I do recommend this game especially if maybe you are not as into JRPGs in general I I have said before that I think that this is a pretty good uh, starting point or um uh e- even if you don't intend to kind of go whole hog on the um on, on the JRPG genre, uh it's it's a good place to uh to either start or to just kinda dip your toes in. Uh it's it's fun. It's uh, I think it holds up pretty well, uh, especially if you do have the option to play it with kind of a CRT filter um, and maybe some save states just in case. Uh, the that that version on the SNES Mini is is pretty much ideal to me, uh, mm-hmm. and and I'm glad that it's there. Uh, so yeah, I I enjoyed my playthrough this time. I do think that it's still worth playing, uh, even uh, with everything that has come after it and especially if you do enjoy any of the the stuff that spent that has spun off of it in more recent years uh it's it's kind of neat to see where that all started uh and holds up pretty well as a game in its own right does a lot of things right um is is pleasant and funny and uh yeah worth it i would say if you have the option to play it i would say do so
0: smashing so obviously it was his pick his show his conclusion brian
2: yeah, I um, I think I've already kind of gone into how much this this game meant to me for a number of reasons, but um, the, I guess what I'll use this time for is just to say how cool I think it is when, um, game companies, particularly owners of like really well known IPs, allow other companies to take a crack at stuff. Um, I think mm-hmm. this is the start for Nintendo. Um, like having Square take a look at Mario, having Capcom make the Minish Cap, all the way up to more recently, you know, Cadence of Hyrule. I yeah. think you just kind of get these new, interesting looks at what can be done with a fresh set of eyes on on something that's very well known. Um, I love Super Mario RPG. I, I, I recognize that a lot of that love comes from nostalgia, but I think truly that it's a really nice place to start if you're someone who is unfamiliar with or kind of just interested in dipping your toe in, in, in traditional JRPGs. It is a turn-based RPG, but it's... With characters you find familiar, and the mechanics are easy to wrap your head around, and it's not punishingly difficult the way in other ones couldn't be. So I have a lot of fondness from the game. I think the soundtrack is lights out brilliant. I think there's a lot of reasons to to view it more than just a historical curio in video games. It's it, I think it still offers a fun experience in playing games. And and I, after talking about this and, and playing through it again, uh, I have no doubt that it's something I'm going to revisit several times again in the future. So thrilled to be able to talk about it.
0: Yeah, there's probably a a separate podcast to be made. I expect somebody's made one somewhere about all the different developers that have had hands on Nintendo IP and to what success is. But basically what I get from that, Brian, is that you're saying you want more Wand of Gamelon in your life.
2: Yes, I do. (laughs) Very
3: much. Who
0: doesn't? (laughs) I've never played it. It might be. I might think it's a masterpiece. Uh, No prejudging. Excellent. So it remains for me, Leon, to thank Brian, Darren, and Leah, as well as our correspondents, and to you for listening, and to tell you that next time, in issue 408, it's Telltale's Tales from the Borderlands. You've been listening to the Cane and Rince video game podcast, part of the Cane and Rince Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and Rince for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and at our website, cainandrince.com.